All right, well, I am back. Yeah, I know, I know. Missed uh, a little bit of time there, but Christmas and New Year's was more Christmassy and New Year's-y than it was last year, you know, having some cause for hope. And I've got uh, fascinating guests. Uh, please, feel free to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Don the Pleb, and I don't know, don't, don't go with fascinating. I might have to do something interesting. All right, we'll see, we'll see. The day is young. Well, something is, but it's probably not me. I'm a giant boomer. Just ask the internet. That's how you. Ah, there you go. There you go. Well, you know, these things happen. They certainly do. So uh, you can find Don at Helo Procurement on Twitter and everywhere except Facebook, much like, uh, you know, you can find me at that fake guy, Dan, uh, also everywhere except Facebook, because it's just incredibly weird and robot lizards are just very strange. So, you know, I don't like to keep their company. Accurate. Uh, on the upside, though, you know, algorithms are improving. We got Smile 2.0 a couple of months ago. Now we're getting a metaverse. Oh. I think it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Super, super good times. I uh, I did actually get somebody to throw in with me on back in a Kickstarter for a, a VR headset. So I am actually kind of hyped for that. Not meta at all. As a matter of fact, no. I, I won't be getting an Oculus because, uh, again, fuck Facebook. Those people are just too weird. Like, uh, they, well, they want to know too much. Why well, I have good news for you. Uh, at the rate that we're going, you're going to have, um, well, man, now I forgot the name of the movie. The Stallone movie from the future. Uh, oh, Running Man? No. Uh, wow. Okay, we're going to skip over that because that is now a dead joke. I have killed it. Uh, it happens. It happens. Not all jokes can uh, go on to live a long and fruitful life. Now, now that I have uh, said I killed it, Demolition Man. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a that's a quality flick. You you can have uh, you know crazy VR sex real soon. <sighs> yeah, that sounds exciting. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Uh, right, yeah, and uh, I'm sure I'll I'll be an ace at using the seashells too, right? It, I mean. I'm interested to learn, even if I'll never use them. Well, I've seen uh, I've seen an infographic, and it still doesn't make sense. So I'll I'll just leave it at that and let your uh, imagination run wild. So speaking of wild imaginations, this is one that uh, we covered on the podcast some while ago when it was fresh, and well, it's uh, come back up again. So uh, recently, the uh, suspects, shall we say. In the uh, Whitmer kidnapping plot, shall we say, they've, uh, well, they're saying what we all kind of thought, that uh, the FBI, being 13 of the 18 members of the group, might have had some kind of uh, hand in, you know, forming some of the decision-making process. You know, at, at this point, uh, we, we should say at least 13 members of the 18 members. <laughs> fair, fair, yes. Yeah, and that was at their peak, actually. So, I mean, I think some people dipped out because they're like, man, you guys are fed posted a little bit too hard. I, I'm having to wear my sunglasses around you because you're a little bright. Definitely happened. They're, one of the first guys they arrested was like, I've been out of that group for two years because you guys fed posted all the time. Yeah, isn't that, uh, isn't that peculiar? So uh, the guys that are asking for the charges to be dismissed. They're saying the FBI invented the conspiracy and funded and agitated the whole thing. So, yeah, isn't that funny? Well, I, for one, am just shocked. Uh, the the high-quality 
definitively trustworthy people at the FBI would simply never do this thing except for all the other times they've done it. Well, you know, there was this fella. You've probably heard of him. He um, he said something about uh, shattering him to a thousand pieces and scattering it to the wind. And then he uh, then he drove his convertible around Dallas. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and that was the story of that fella. I hear uh, they opened his mind on the subject, and he uh, he kind of gave up. It was definitely a brain-expanding experience, to be sure, to be sure. And then that case got really uh, got closed, and recently we got a bit of a bit of a drip out of that, which had a lot more information than it should have. I was so excited for a minute there. Uh, when they were like, oh, that's it, this year we're going to release all the files. And I was like, oh, man, it's going to be a fun year. And they only released, like, what, a quarter or a half or something. Oh, man. Yeah. It's it's always something. It they're always they're never going to give us, uh, you know, the full story. But one of the, one of the most peculiar notes of that whole drop which is right along the lines of the finders drop that they had in um, the other vault dump. Uh, what was that like two years ago? When it's like, oh yeah, yeah no the uh, yeah yeah no, the finders yeah they had uh, they had tunnels yeah, under uh, a school with satanic imagery, and they were so, doing all the stuff that was you know that that they were just saying was a satanic panic you know yeah so every single thing and I mean all of them every single thing anybody ever said like. Oh, uh, no matter how crazy it was, no matter how much your uncle with his tinfoil hat in the basement was like, I'm telling you, man, it's the demons and they're, they're touching the children. Basically, that drop was just like, no, uh, crazy Uncle Bob. Uh, crazy Uncle Bob was underestimating what, what he was talking about. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can just look at what happened in the more recent past and in uh, Trump's time of the um, the compound out in New Mexico. Uh, nope, they were man. training kids to be jihadis, and then, you know, they find it, d demolish it within two days. Right. Uh, we accidentally bulldozed it before we got any evidence out of it. Um, it, 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 it things happen, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's something else, man. It's really something else. You know, the uh, the whole shut it down thing really, uh, really rings true sometimes, you know? Seriously. I, I mean... This this is the kind of stuff that you know I'm old, I'm old enough to remember when uh, th this was just a joke and everybody it was all peak conspiracy craziness and blah 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 and now every time you turn around is like uh, you know what this uh, this might look bad uh, it turns out that we just lost was two hundred thousand documents from uh, a certain guy who didn't kill himself I, just oops. Oh, and none of it got entered into evidence. Yeah. And no, we're not going to publish his client list. Why do you ask? Well, uh, I mean, the court itself. Uh, who's who's the head of that court? Uh, some something. Uh, Comran, Comai, Comey. Yeah, her name's Comey. I wonder if she's related to the other Comey. Oh, his daughter. It's just a Fuck. mighty coincidence. Who knew? Uh, that's pure coincidence, obviously. So this uh, Comey lady, she she thought that it would be wise to uh, hide this from the public. You know, that was uh, too lewd and lascivious for public consumption. Obviously, clearly, also sponsored by Pornhub. Oh, as you do. And uh, just just to clarify here, if uh, you do go 
reading up on the article out of uh, Michigan. I am not the Dan who infiltrated the group. I'm Evan. I'm a fake Dan, not a real Dan. I'm a real Evan. Just uh, just want you to all know that. See, this is the kind of thing, by the way, that is going to get me to change the Twitter handle to things like Real Fake Dawn. Hey, there you go. I'm uh, I'm going to have to make my backup at one of these points because I figured they'll probably come for me, so I'll have to be the real guy Evan or something. Oh, man. Uh, that's That's coming. I mean... I mean, I've made it We've since 2014 in... without a single band, so I don't know. I uh, my luck, I guess. I don't know. Either that or I know I, exactly how to do this. Yeah, apparently. I need to go take lessons from you. <laughs> you got to skirt the line just so, and you never fly too close to the sun. Yeah, see, uh, I right as they changed the rules uh, a couple years back, I... I used the forbidden R word on Twitter and was algorithmically banned. <laughs> oh, I won't say I'm not shadow banned. Now, well, that's oh, another that's... matter entirely. Yeah, I have, my reach is definitely cut down. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say 2016, uh, right around the end of 2016, like my uh, organic growth totally stopped, and everything I've gotten since then has just been a battle. At one point, I was just at about 3,000 uh, followers, and now I I regularly sit like uh, between 25 and 2,600 because of purges and everything else. Yep. I, I know the feeling. But um, that's Twitter. It's part, part of the reason when you were like, so where can I find you on the internet? I was like, uh, I don't know. i got to change all of it, like, now. <laughs> Fair oh. enough. Fair enough. And I'll... Uh, your uh, assistant has gotten back in touch with me, and I will be including all the links for anybody that would like to follow up um, in the description below, wherever that below happens to be. If you're, you know, checking this out on YouTube, Anchor, Odyssey, whatever. By the by, a very big fan of Odyssey. I'm liking them. They uh, they remind me of YouTube ten years ago. So, so. that that is uh, that is looking like the good and the bad to me of of YouTube ten years ago, um, because. I, uh, I I have an Odyssey channel. You know, the, there are things over there that I broadcast. And then I had a handful of people call me up one day and go, just so you know, I just got banned from Odyssey. And I was like, great. Well, so we're doing this again. Well, yeah, it's best to be everywhere. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm on BitChute, too. I thought yep. about Rumble, but I just don't like their terms of service. They're a little bit too draconian for me. I mean, they fall along the lines of like a Facebook, just in kind of the different direction. It's there. There is this this weird scale, right? Where uh, the more you're allowed to say, the worse the site is. <laughs> you know, like well, I, I love I love the BitChute guys to death for what they will let me host there. On the other hand, I hate the BitChute website with a white hot rage. <laughs> it's. Uh... It's something. And I will say, I've been on Minds for about forever, since it came out, and I think that it is legitimately the best social media in existence today, and it's half dead. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they've got the, they've got the perfect formula. Interface is great. Terms of service are great. Monetization, even. Great. Everything about it hits all the bells and whistles, but they just don't have that terminal momentum that a thing like uh, Gab does because, you know, Andrew Torba is a uh, 
an absolutely bombastic personality. Yeah, that that helps a lot. Also, I, I think mine suffers from uh, being early to the game, right? Um, when mines came out, I was sitting in my living room uh, like that week devising what it would take to do something like mines. Uh, because for the, the same reason that Bill Ottman was like, mm, this is starting to look bad. Um, you know, I was looking at what was going on with social media and was like, all right, well, somebody better do something. And then he made mines and a whole bunch of people started CCing their content over there and nobody moved, right? There was never, there was never a mass purge where everybody suddenly went over to mines. There was no, um, yeah, there wasn't that imperative that we really right. got when, like when, uh, Patreon you know, happened, basically. Right. Which I'm sure any listener now is going to get what I'm talking about when I say when Patreon happened, the whole uh, Sargon and others thing. Oh, yeah. The the mass bans and all that kind of stuff. And mine's just barely missed it on all of them, right? There was always some other new platform that was coming out right as the bans happened. And mine's was never the one, right? It, it was already in existence, and people... Um, Though I will say they screwed themselves a lot because um, there was a while there where I was trying to build out mines and they kept changing how long your video content could be and be up there. And so for like one week, I'd be able to publish there and the next week I couldn't. <laughs> and I was like, guys, you got to stop this. Yeah, that's going to... You need hard and fast rules that you can work with. Yeah. You know, that's just kind of a given. If you don't have Maybe. a system... Well, I mean, look at YouTube and how yeah. everything's just kind of fallen apart since they've become just uh, completely capricious with their rules. Indeed. You, know, you, can't, uh, you can't build a future there unless you're building something that would be safe on cable television. And even then, you can't do that because Fox News is allowed on cable television and uh, OANN actually has a channel yeah. that doesn't get banned from cable. So, well, you know, I mean, like Crowder, uh, who was originally a radio show regularly. I mean, currently banned off YouTube. Yeah, another great example. You know, there's... Uh, yeah. I mean, the guy's not even really all that extreme. I I kind of get where they got him originally a couple years back for uh, quoting the, um, the journo that liked using uh, acerbic words, shall we say, to describe himself. And, you I know, mean- it's like... Yeah, you're quoting him, and yeah, that's oh, that's actually fine. But we oh, exist we in a like paradigm you. where you don't get to have the same rules as everyone else. Indeed. That said, autistic complaints about various social media aside, I'm sure there's something more important to talk about. Because let's face it, uh, if you don't create content, you're mostly just irritated when all the rest of us get banned. <laughs> Yeah, true enough. True enough. So, uh, well, I guess um, next topic, as a matter of fact, another one out of the Daily Mail on this one, the uh, Fauci email leak, the most recent one, where we find out that he uh, just basically tried to smear everybody behind the uh, Barrington Declaration. Did you, uh, had you caught that one? Uh, remind me. Okay. This, this, this is another thing where... Every time I turn around with this guy, uh, it do- it doesn't matter what he said. It, like he, 
if that guy came out tomorrow and was like, the Earth is round, I'd be like, shit, we better check with the Flat Earthers. Right? Well, I mean, he's been killing people since the late 80s. Right? Sorry. He's been aiding in the deaths of innocent people since the 80s. I don't want to be uh, called out here for that because, you know. Excuse me, fact check. Uh, there, there is no evidence that uh, Fauci uh, ate babies on Main Street in New York. Right, right, right. No, that was in a bathhouse. But anyway. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> he's uh, He's been called out for years, and somehow he's managed to maintain not being the villain, despite literally being the villain. It's, oh, uh, man. It's something else. What is it, Dallas Buyers Club? I, I am enjoying this meme circulating uh, because it's it is it is big big lefty happiness, right? You know, like, oh my god, people wouldn't let you you buy uh, um f- effective and, and safe AIDS drugs. Uh, you know who the bad guy was in that? Anthony Fauci. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah, that's uh that's a little thing that people forget. Like, um, oh, what was it? Much well. Much like the, uh, you, you don't need to wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask. Well, hold on. Maybe maybe you should wear a mask. Actually, no, you shouldn't just wear a mask. You should wear two masks. You, you gotta wear two masks. Okay, well, the science doesn't support two masks. So just wear one mask. Also, and, maybe three. And then, oh, yeah, now, I know we've been saying this whole time that cloth masks work, okay? I know that we've been saying that this whole time, all right? But listen, okay, cloth masks don't work. If it's not KN95, then you, you just, you're wasting your time. You know what is amazing about this is that this guy lies so ridiculously that when the, the mask thing started, and it was, don't wear a mask, uh, I was like, well, I'm not going to wear a mask anyway. But if you're going to tell me that masks are useless, right, they're, they're not, they do some things. They don't do what all of you want them to do. Uh, you know, they don't in- instantly stop the transmission of everything, but they do collect some things out of your breath, right? Which is why you shouldn't, you know, reuse disposable masks and all that other kind of nonsense, right? And uh, everybody was like, Don, you're, you're just being a dumbass, man. Like, uh, you know, that's just how it is. And then we swapped to, oh, you totally have to wear a mask. And I was like, look, I... I just went over this. Yes, it will collect some. No, you shouldn't be reusing them. They're really not particularly amazingly effective in doing what all of you people want them to do. <laughs> and I just got called a contrarian. I was like, I, I haven't changed my stance on this at all in two years. And guess what? No matter what it is that they end up saying, because... Um, you know, there there was somebody way back at the beginning who was like, "Oh, we should we should be wearing like, uh, you know, NBC gas masks straight out of the military." And I was like, "Well, if you want to wear that, it will do a lot of stuff. I'll grant you that. It'll work. I, It'll absolutely I, work. They're about forty dollars a fucking filter, but they'll work. Right, yeah, a couple hundred bucks for the mask too. <laughs> yeah, well, you can get them for less than that, but you know." Oh, no. Well, it was, uh, you know, we need to go get the new ones that at the time were still relatively young. So the military was buying all of them. Um, True. But, uh, you know, and and on and on it goes. And somehow or another, it doesn't matter how long this goes on, how much the rules change. Even if you just stick with what literally all of us knew five years ago, you're just a contrarian. Well, never mind that five years ago, the... uh... 
literal definition of vaccine was something that provides a sterilizing immunity to a disease or uh, or affliction. And now it's something that basically, according to the current definition of vaccine, a Tylenol pill is basically a vaccine. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if, I mean, if we want to be purely strict about their newest literal definition of what a vaccine is and does, I mean, you know, Tylenol and it takes down inflammation, you know, kills your fever, eases pain. That's about what the vaccine's doing with the newest strains. I mean, you got uh, basically every over-the-counter medicine for the past... I mean, uh, the the uh, the Omicron vac- booster is literally NyQuil. <laughs> the, uh, well, here's what Omicron does, and uh, the, the vaccine just makes it slightly better, and the, it is, it is literally the list of things that NyQuil treats. Pretty much. And I mean, they haven't even got, they, there isn't a new vaccine. Everything's built for the wild type and the alpha type, period. Yeah. Well, don't let that get in the way. Um, and you know, you that's, know, that's an interesting point. I've brought this up with my co-host, but I imagine you'll probably get a kick out of this little, uh, comparison. So Anthony, he said, I am the science. I am the face of science. I'm the voice of science. I don't know his exact terminologies, but basically like I am science with a capital S. Yeah. It was, uh, when, when people are attacking me, they're attacking the science. Ah, yes, yes, exactly. So it being the voice and name of science being a PhD, you know, he is a doctor. He does officially know his stuff. He's going to know the right terminology. So as I've been saying here, alpha type, wild type, or alpha strain and wild strain. These are the two official legit lexicon based terms. Like this is what you would have. A, this is what somebody in the field is going to call them. Now he said, the Wuhan type. Now, if he's the voice of science and he knows this terminology, why would he use a different term than literally every single person in the immunological field? Does Is that what they called it at the lab? Is that why you called it the Wuhan type? I wonder, no. you know? Look, China has just seized the means of naming and oh, there you uh, go. you're all going to have to get over that. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, since we're on this little Fauci kick, so the um, the email. Uh, let me see here. I'll just I'll just read it directly out to you. It's uh, from Francis Collins to Anthony Fauci. Hi, Tony and Cliff. See uh, http colon slash slash gbdeclaration dot org. This proposal from three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seems to be getting a lot of attention, and even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? Francis. So there's a... This this is ugly stuff, man. This is really ugly stuff. Well, I I think the ugliest thing that we've got thus far is that the guy who is the science is taking advice from a guy named Francis. Mm, in this day and age, that, that could be a could be a red flag. <laughs> I can't. I I wanna I wanna take this stuff 
seriously on occasion, but I, I'm running out of capability too, right? You know, I I've spent a, a lot of a lot of years being like, so uh, the people who are doing this are the worst people on earth, and um, two or three years ago. I used to get your you're a crazy conspiracy theorist lunatic and then these emails leak and people are like man you know conspiracy theorists are, are just you know six months ahead of the news and i'm like hey hey remember two years ago <laughs> oh yeah not only that too i mean it turns out there was they, they were putting stuff in the water that was turning the frogs gay right of all and the it, things i i mean I, I want to. I'd love to be outraged about this, but I am. I am. Uh, I don't know. I'm just out of, out of gas on the subject, right? Well, you yeah. Know? I mean, so much of it uh, comes by. You go from outrage to just nonplussed. It's like, oh, so the sky's still blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh man, this uh, Fauci is uh, eating dogs face off with uh, with you know what are those things? Tsetse flies or something? Yeah, you know. Uh, I. I want to say that's surprising, but um, yeah, hardly know. anything is anymore. I mean, we've uh, we've seen pretty much the depths of depravity, and seen that censored by, uh, you know, Comey's daughter, right? Literally, and it just it, how how long are we gonna we gonna sit around and and pretend like this? Uh, this guy who will so overtly lie about everything and and make no mistake let's let's say for a minute that that we believe all of a sudden that you should wear a mask everywhere right which is what we're supposed to be so oh, yeah, of course uh you know susan if this hits youtube of course we are listening and believing all right but let's let's say we believe that the premise of that is that this guy came out and was like, hey, so we could totally uh, sacrifice a few hundred thousand people as long as, like, uh, we can protect masks for doctors. Uh, and then, like, that, by any other definition, would be genocide. So I don't know what it is that's not that, but then we're supposed to be surprised that this guy does other stuff. And I'm just like, look, if he is at any point told the truth, uh, he's a genocidal maniac. And that's just true. <laughs> well, I mean, we can just take his work in the 80s and 90s and make these statements, and they still fit. That's without exactly. even that's without even getting up to the modern era of how many lives he's cost with COVID. Exactly. You know, and there's, there's no point in this guy's career that is documented where he doesn't act like a genocidal maniac. And so, like, oh, man, people, uh, well, let's see here, the proposal from three fringe epidemiologists. Okay, so fringe, we're already into the propaganda term, um, who met with the secretary seems to be getting a lot of attention. Yes. Uh, the problem is, of course, never whether or not these things are true. It is whether or not uh, they're mainstream, because that is that is the complaint that he's made. Uh, and so we're going to need to, as we determine what mainstream is, we're going to need to get rid of you, uh, because we've decided that you aren't mainstream. Well, but I mean, don't you know, nine out of ten doctors enjoy the smooth, toasted flavor of a camel cigarette. Well, you're goddamn right they do, and they were right to do so. I mean, Fred Flintstone. Now, now that said, Fred Flintstone told me that 9 out of 10 doctors 
prefer a Winston cigarette. So, I mean, who am I to believe? Am I am Indeed. I to believe Joe Camel, who makes smoking look ever so cool, or am I to believe Fred Flintstone, the wholesome, uh, you know, caveman uh, home? Uh, well, he's not the homemaker. That's uh, Wilma and Betty, but you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Red Winter. Is... There we go. There we are. See, I was fighting for that term too. Ooh. You believe we talk on the regular where people listen to us? It, it's it is alleged. This is uh, anyway. This this thing, um, you know, we want to get excited about. It. I mean, look if. People got all upset at Trump because he was like, oh, I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and I wouldn't lose any voters. And Fauci's out there, like, literally shooting people on Fifth Avenue. Like, Trump is terrible. He's the worst person ever. Yeah, he's he's got the real, uh, that real Big Brother vibe of stop hitting yourself, you know, as he yeah. slams your face with your own hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I should say, stop hitting yourself. Come on, you <laughs> gotta stop hitting yourself. Exactly. Yeah, if we're gonna do that. Uh, speaking of hitting yourself, um, out uh, the other uh, topic that I brought up for the very beginning of this, the concentration camp bill for New York, it goes up for a vote tomorrow. Let's get excited. I, You know, I thought What's-His-Face said he was pulling this bill. Uh, the guy that wrote it. Wasn't, wasn't that what he was, he was going on this big uh, uh, media tour talking? Oh, the, the right wing is is being evil and telling us, uh, telling people that this is about concentration camps. So I was just going to remove it from a vote. All right. Well, I've got an update from. Huh. Oh, that. Oh, I hate Google ever so much. Oh, they do not, not like me finding these. They're um, very politifact. Yeah, I, I. False. Let's see. Let's see. Why does politifact state that this bill is false? New York is trying to pass a bill that would uh, quote unquote allow them to round up non-mask wearers and to people who don't want to take the vaccine into concentration camps, then with a court order, they can force vaccinate you. So, most of that is probably true. Let's see if we can decipher which part is untrue. Okay. Well, at no point when, uh, when they put you in this definitely non-camp will they make you concentrate on anything. Therefore, it's not a concentration camp. Checkmate, you! Actually, I've, we've got it even better. We've got it even better than that. The bill in question, A416, is not new. This isn't a new bill. This wasn't just introduced. Obviously, it's false. The fir was first introduced in 2015 during the Ebola outbreak and hasn't gained any traction. So is this isn't new. This has been here the whole time. I don't know why well, you're making a big deal about it. It has no co-sponsors, never once been heard in committee despite being introduced in... Uh, 15 and 16, 17, 18, and 19, 20 sessions, and the current sections. Uh-huh. I, I, Look, I, that's I have adorable. Really great news. Uh, Dachau has been on planet Earth since, like, 39, so there's nothing to worry about there. Well, yeah, I mean, what, Poland's been a country for quite some while. I right. mean, you know, 
train tracks? We we've been using trains for forever. What are what are you so worried about getting on a train for? Jeez, people, you know? People panicking about nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got the, the video out of Germany literally this morning of uh, the police beating somebody in a bus and then uh, pulling the curtains on the damn bus. Well, look, if you can't trust the police in Germany, of all places, uh, to beat people on a bus, who can you trust? Well, I, I, it's just I would hope that they've got some kind of experience in that. You would think, right? Like some tradition to hand down, one might say. Um, you know, I'm sure that the German police beating people on buses is uh, been refined quite a bit over eighty or ninety ish years at this point. Yeah, who uh, knows? Who knows? You know, just a and if they're time scaler. If there's been a group of people beating people, well, doing anything really for ninety years, you have to assume they know what they're doing. Just the the institutional knowledge has got to be pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, you had the uh, the change in management there for a while, but you know, you look at uh, East Berlin, and I'll tell you what, they knew a thing or two about beating people. See, that that's another thing. Not only do they have great institutional knowledge, they have been, uh, you know, interlacing themselves into other institutions that have been doing this for a long time. They they've got a very diversified experience set. Now, look. That's long-term institutional knowledge diversified across lots of institutions from lots of places. Uh, there's got to be some wisdom here. You know, they, they just, you have to assume. Oh, yeah. If, if, if not the genetically inherited type, you know, a practical kind. Exactly, right? Uh, certainly, these people have forgotten more about beating people on buses than you and I will ever know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Rosa Parks would, uh, she'd turn red just to, just to imagine it. Well, then she might have a peace pipe. I actually, believe it or not, I have a right to be offended at that. Not going to be. <laughs> I, I literally give no fucks. Uh, because I'm, I'm pretty much willing to hand out red man passes to everybody. But, you know, just saying. Well, luckily, uh, you know, I, I don't have any right now. But uh, on any other day, I might be able to pick some up and chew it. So I'd, I'd be square. Have some red man in my mouth. And that sounds like uh, reparations to me. It could. I mean, as long as you're not doing it in a... Um, well, it wouldn't be buck-breaking, would it? In a buffalo-breaking uh, sort of way. Should be fine. Should be fine. So... Yeah, the long and short is uh, they're saying that the concentration camp bill isn't a concentration camp bill because it's been around forever. Never mind that it's actually going up to vote and has never actually, it's never gone up for a vote before. It's never had any kind of traction like that. So, I mean, their uh, their whole spiel is basically built on a uh, a foundation of sand, if you will. Well, I mean. But it's it's Snopes, right? It's uh, yeah, PolitiFact. I, I was, was going to say, you know, this is... Uh, I, I used to years and years ago. I'd have friends be like, uh, "Oh man, you should uh, you should go check Snopes for this stuff." And I'm like, "Did you actually read the article, right? Because I I know you you found the little you know the the, the number of Pinocchios, the um, the little truth meter, right? And you looked at that, um, but did you, did you read what it said? Because I feel like you didn't." <laughs> Yeah, more often than not, uh, a headline's quite enough for some people. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that 
in and of itself is incredibly dangerous, especially with the, the yellow journalism that is just absolutely rampant in all media today. It's not even a joke. My, uh, you know, the, uh, the New York times is probably the best example of this. Um, they, they notoriously, basically every headline is, uh, you know, headline first and second paragraph are supporting somewhere after the eighth paragraph is, Oh, by the way, everything we've written up till now is BS. Yeah, this was this was entirely an editorial article and not based in fact at all. Uh, you know, based on the observations of a homeless man on the corner of Eighth and Twenty Third, who we gave some LSD to before we talked to him. Absolutely, absolutely. And then showed him a picture of Trump, uh, just so that they would say he was extra evil. Oh yeah. He... He looked at it and, and didn't immediately vomit, so we know that he's uh, apparently a Nazi. Clearly. Clearly. There, there was no running, yelling, screaming, vomiting. Uh, heads didn't spin, you know, so clearly Nazi. Oh, absolutely. It's surprising no one. Oh, man. I, I wish that was um, a exaggeration, right? But... It, it used to be a, a long time. It, satire is so dead. Uh, I, well, you it have used to, to anytime you see satire now, you have to ask: Is this a is this a headline? Oh man! Uh, so Poe's law is so ridiculously bad now. Uh, in fact, somebody just today forwarded me a meme of 4chan being like, uh, "Guys, I can no longer tell the difference between propaganda and our shit posting attempts." <laughs> Well, you you want to know something crazy? I play. I've uh, I was running on an old computer for quite a while, and I built this new one right as uh, right as the pandemic was starting to hit, and I got a chance to play GTA Five. So I played GTA Five in the current era, and I can see where they're making jokes, but but they're not jokes anymore. It's like it's like reading old onion articles about things that have actually happened. So it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, Oh, I see you put a funny spin on this thing that I'm actually living through literally today. Oh, see. And now the poor Babylon B is dealing with it on a pretty regular basis. Like, mm, sorry, we're retracting this article. We accidentally published real news. Yeah. They, it's so bad that they had to create not the B. Oh yeah. Like, and it, it's, and the headlines are just as insane and nonsensical, except they're completely real. Exactly. Exactly. And, oh, man. Um, not not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago, and th this is going to be the problem, right? Because it used to be, it'd take the, the Babylon B what, a couple of months, and then they'd have to retract something because it actually happened. And now, it's just getting way too close, right? The Babylon Bee's over there like... Uh, I, I think it was the AOC says everyone, uh, the, ev people's only real problem with her is that they want to have sex with her or something. And then it was like two weeks later, uh, Republicans are just mad because they want to date me. <laughs> I was like, that, that's it. Yeah. Oh, I remember that statement. That is, that's one of the most infuriating things I have ever heard a politician say. Right. I mean, being honest, I if she were interested... I would say no. Now, now to, to, to I'm not going to put that into the words I've used to uh, discuss it with my peoples in real life and not online because I, even even in the more permissive places where this is going to go up, 
I would uh, I would probably catch a lot of hell. So let's just say, not interested. Not interested. I hear a wood chipper. No, no, no. <laughs> no, not... It's not a not interested to that point. It's more of a, you know, I wouldn't piss on you if you're on fire kind of thing. Yeah, well. I <laughs> it But you know, that up to it about on eleven. Yeah. She she is uh you know for, I can't imagine anybody hasn't heard, you know, don't stick it in crazy. And right? there there were a bunch of people when she showed up who were like, Well, you know, if we got to listen to her talk, at least she's kind of hot. And I was like, no, 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 no. That fucking no. dance video. Right? Yep. <laughs> that fucking dance video. That that shit got her so many votes. It did. And that by itself, I mean, whoo. Uh, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. Yeah. It's, uh... <sighs> it, fucking thirst that, trap, man. That was, that, that was the, uh... The, the idiocracy moment. The, the serious one for me. Like, we've been headed there for a sweet hot minute. Uh, and then it was, um, she dances on a roof in a tight shirt, so we're going to vote for her. And I was like, President Camacho approves. I just, that's it. We're, we're there. We're done. <laughs> yeah, just about. Just about. Things, uh, things are uh, very clowny. Very clowny these days. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's getting exciting uh, in a really horrifically terrible kind of way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, it's all gas, no brakes. No brakes on this train. And that right there, uh, all gas, no brakes, that, that's enough. I'm sure we are now both banned off of all social media. <laughs> I have no idea if I referenced a thing that is or is not real in saying that. That was entirely a constructed statement of my own referencing nothing oh I wish that's how it worked <sighs> yeah well I'm, I'm pretty good about not saying the magic words so we should be okay and oh. these generally run long form enough that uh, one or two um, inconvenient things are able to slip through well you know good news uh Soon, we will no longer have to worry about being banned off social media, as New York, just momentarily ago we were discussing, is demonstrating. Um, soon, we will we will all be in the non-concentrating camps. Well, there's a lot of things that you need to think hard on, and what better place to do that than a camp built specifically to help you concentrate? I mean, they're doing it in Australia. We're seeing how well that's working. I mean, you know, they had those uh, two young fellas that, you know, they uh, they didn't actually, uh, well, they, they weren't diagnosed with anything that required concentration. As a matter of fact, they had tested as uh, not having any concentration-worthy afflictions. And nonetheless, they were uh, uh, kindly retrieved uh, from the place that they left and uh, returned there gently, as it were. Exactly, right? And... Uh... Look, this is really just a massive self-help thing. Like, who couldn't use uh, a few months to spend some time working on their failings as a human being? And that that's really all that New York is trying to do here for you. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're actually trying to set up groups, uh, you know, in a, a, a chamber, you know, with like five points, kind of star-shaped, where uh, these people can... You know, have uh, well, they can struggle. You know, in a session. You know, like have a kind of some kind of session where they can 
struggle with their uh, faults, as it were. You, you confront them. You could, you could call it group therapy. You could. You could. <laughs> a, a way of uh, thinking as a group, even. You know, a, a group thinking uh, chamber in a, a star-shaped chamber. Perhaps. I mean, what do I know? I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not an authority on these sort of things. I don't even uh, live in New York. You know what we should do is we should ask Fauci. Well, he would know. I mean, he knows uh, he knows all about New York, not to mention all the bathhouses that you can find. Exactly. Not to mention that he is the science. Oh, he is. So the face. Um, of it. The yeah. Voice. Well, you know, realistically, um, we we should just. We should just get rid of the metaphor here, and we should just start calling him Jesus. Um, you know, the science has well, spoken. Well, let, let's be fair. Jesus isn't specifically uh, scientific, so we could call him Science Jesus. We could. We could. Uh, though, we're probably going to want to uh, have some sort of, like, a diversity, equi equity, and inclusion kind of thing going on here. So we might have to call him the Science Jesus. Maybe, maybe. I guess we'll uh, we'll have to leave that to more educated scientific minds. Indeed. You know what would be great, though, is if he could just carve into some stone, uh, like, ten rules that we could follow? Well, I'd say that he's actually drawing a lot of his rules from uh, some stone inscriptions that already exist. Uh, some really? guide stones, perhaps. Uh, I think you can find them in Georgia. That may be, but I think we're going to need him individually to, you know, carry them out uh, and and just wave them at people, right? Not not even necessarily let anybody read them, just you know, wave them at people. Oh, yeah. Just go up on the I, holy mountain, you know, get to get his edicts, come back down, and you know, tell us to destroy our idols and all that. Exactly, right? And uh, you know, we have this thing that we commonly refer to as the hill, right? So uh, he could just walk up that. Yeah. I mean, he's done it more than once already. Indeed, right? He's got some experience, and as we know, experience is good. Covered that a couple times today. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely, absolutely. So, we've... Uh, well, actually, no, I do want to kind of cover Omicron just a little bit, because lately it's no. something we've been going over, and it bears repeating. We got so lucky... There's no reason that this should have evolutionarily selected for all of these pressures. The way that this should have happened is maybe the end of this year, beginning, middle of next, it should have uh, naturally evolved itself into this, uh, well, effectively, uh, a real nasty cold or a not-so-bad flu. But it did it all at once. And it did some weird things. Now, we're still waiting on the hard and fast numbers, but it looks like we dodged a major bullet with this. Because what we've been saying this whole time, here even on uh, this show as well as uh, some others, that we're looking at a situation similar to the Spanish flu vaccination trials of the 70s, wherein those vaccines ended up aiding the flu itself, making it more dangerous and deadly. And that's exactly what has happened with Omicron. But yeah. we got lucky. It selected for every other pressure that it shouldn't have. And so instead of getting something that's incredibly dangerous and deadly, we get something that's incredibly infectious, two to three times more than the most infectious Delta strain, but largely well tolerated and low levels of lethality. 
Well, this is... So, we, we got that because, basically, of where it came from. Um, you know, South Africa is, is Actually, not... I have done some follow-up on that. It was discovered as coming through South Africa. It looks like yeah. it's either from the Netherlands or Germany. Ooh, see, that's interesting. Cause well, that's... that that would explain why it would be vaccine-aided and so vaccine-evasive. It's in oh, a yeah. place that's incredible. It's just awash in vaccinated individuals. In, so it's in, going to have to evolve to to either avoid it or use it. That's yeah. just a given. But then to select for all these other things, I've been saying in private with some friends, was there some like wealthy Eastern European dude who just said to some of his friends at one of those black labs to just, hey guys, we got to fix this. Who knows? Because it's so weird that that's, that that's a question we can actually ask and not sound like crazy assholes. So it's not, even then, not terribly surprising, right? Um, you know, th this is sort of like, why isn't the world covered in Ebola? And the reason for that is basically that Ebola kills you way too fast. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if it had a latency period of a month, we'd all be screwed. <laughs> yeah, Ebola actually, in the grand scheme of things, is not a very good-at-its-job disease. Right. It's really good at killing you. But at being a disease, it's kind of terrible because it kills you too fast and it's too noticeable. Indeed, right? Uh, and so, you know, you with all of the, uh, well, games that we play, specifically over in Europe, right, um, we probably never noticed any of the really harsh stuff and then we just threw somebody in an isolation tank and let them die and then went, it was Delta, right? Um, and it, it's all possible. the, it's all the asymptomatic stuff that makes for decent spread, right? That's, that's always been the case. It's why, uh, cold and flu season is cold and flu season because you can carry influenza as an active virus that is attacking your immune system for sometimes up to like a month before you even notice. And about half the time, you know, for, if you're in that healthy age range, which is also the era that you're working, um, you know, it, it you get a stuffy nose and that's about it. And uh, then you check your house for mold. And by the time you figure out what happened, your entire office is home with the flu, you know? <laughs> sure enough. Sure enough. And so it's, it was always going to be, um, you know, the, the more global outbreaks are always going to be more mild because if they're really, it's the same problem as at the beginning of this, right? If, if, uh, and for those that don't remember, way back at the beginning, oh man, we know how terrible this is because it creates, uh, icicles in your lungs and, and diamonds and blind. Uh, it, it, there's like a 90% chance that that's going to happen. I was like, if, if any of that oh, was yeah. happening, what, what our initial, uh, our initial thoughts were something like 30% lethality. Yeah. You now, know, that it, being it, said, that being said, here's something that I, I I haven't caught a whole lot of your stuff, so I mean, obviously I don't know. We've only talked on Twitter. But sure. back in the early days, there was some distressing shit coming out of China and Wuhan specifically. Some very distressing stuff. Like the uh, the mobile incinerators, the, uh, the amount of pollution in the sky that should equate to hundreds of thousands of bodies being burned that just all of a oh. sudden appeared, or 
better still, the 20 to 30 million cell phones in China that got turned off turned and off. never yeah. turned on again. Well, never turned on again is a long time frame, and I haven't checked, so uh, I don't know. However, um, this is one of those things where it, it's even more meta than that, in my opinion, right? Uh, oh, there's so many questions we don't have the answers to. Right. China isn't exactly uh, big on free speech. Yeah, and they're not entirely forthcoming on information either. And there was just an endless supply of these videos for a while there. Um, you know, where every 20 or 30 minutes, there was a new video of something that happened on the streets of China after they had locked down Wuhan, after uh, all these cell phones had been shut off, after, um, you know, they had turned off the internet in Wuhan, after they had put a cordon around the city. And I was like, so how's this stuff getting out? How, where is this coming from? Um, and part of the other problem, and I, I, again, I don't know, so I just ask, uh, is that there are plenty of places in China, and uh, realistically, I guess I should go back and look, uh, where pollution is so bad that parks are basically giant biodomes with air scrubbers in them. Oh, I've seen pictures of Beijing. It's, uh... Yeah. It's about and as good so, as it gets, and it gets bad in Beijing. It's as, Right. In general, Beijing is about as bad as late 90s L.A. Exactly, right? And Just and in general, like any given day. Right. And, and this is the shtick, is like so much of this was stuff that, uh, you know, why would totalitarian government do totalitarian government things? I don't know. I can't think of a reason, you know? <laughs> Equally right. speaking was a lot of this is stuff that literally happens in China every day. Uh, and after that, I'm expected to believe that, you know, the great firewall of China, which encompasses the whole country, is letting this stuff out. But even more than that, cities where they're just turning off the power grid for the whole city are getting out regular quantities of video. How is this happening? And nobody ever wanted to talk about it. And in the world of, you know, China shuts off 30 million cell phones, um, is... Is that that they just turned off a city's worth of cell phones and then, you know, turn them off for a year? And then as soon as they decided this was all over, they turn them back on? Does anybody know? You know, and we don't do any follow-up on any of this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we don't. And I made it a personal rule not to talk about uh, cooties too horribly much anymore. Um, because way back at the beginning was, you know... Uh, Don, we know all this stuff, and I went, well, you don't know any of that, right? Um, but what we do know, where where we can get data from, because you can't get data from China, right? Like, Not trust their government data, publishes, right? You know, uh, somebody the other day was publishing a thing that was like, uh, you know, deaths to COVID in 2021, uh, 442,000 in the United States, two in China. And I was like, if you believe that, you're an idiot, right? Like, <laughs> I, maybe 400,000 is true. I have my doubts for a wide variety of reasons. But if you believe China was two, you're an idiot. Right? <laughs> but, so I've got yeah. some good news. Uh, we yeah. have managed to acquire a co-host. Uh, Craig has made it to uh, to join us for the show. Welcome to the party. I mean, it's your show, so maybe you should. Well, I don't know. Hey, how's it going? Now? Not bad. Yourself? Don, Craig, Craig, Don. Hi, Don. 
Well, hello there. So as uh, you can tell, we were just discussing the um, the weird numbers mm-hmm. in early days out of Wuhan. <laughs> okay. So, um, anyhow, the the problem is that we other things that came out of there, right? Like I, I specifically referenced the uh, the diamonds in your lung thing because this was supposed to be the hard line if we know we know has anyone even talked about that like does it exist anymore is there anyone who is being like oh yeah man so we autopsy this guy and uh it turns out we now have a thing that can cut diamonds because it came out of his chest from covid i mean it was just an absolute lie and we just ignore this because reasons right um, and, you know, Italy was a real similar thing um, way, way back at the beginning when they were they were publishing data. Uh, their their health, you know, secretary of health or whatever that guy's name, you know, title is over there comes out and goes, well, we're really liberal with how we we describe covid deaths. Um, we're we're marking anyone who dies with a positive covid test as having died from covid. Uh, and yes, we know there's, you know, a 50 to 80 percent false positive rate. And I was like, oh, OK, so this is all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's something we've actually covered to uh, to a fair degree, like the um, uh, fell out of New York, I believe, that was uh, found in his car shot to death. And of course, that was well, he was with covid. So, you know, you'll have those right. sort of issues. Indeed, you know, but it's. It's been this way all the way along, and uh, it, everyone wanted to get caught up in the fear porn of it. And I was like, just relax, guys. Like, you know, if any of this was true, we would have confirmation from somewhere else, specifically when it was mostly just Chinese nonsense. Um, but, you know, the, when they were, uh, the video that ever pissed everybody off or scared everybody was uh, them walking through the streets with disinfectant. Gas oh yeah, yeah, yeah! With the backpacks and the the big sprayer things. Yeah, I remember that. Right, and they, everybody was like, "Why that would they honest. possibly do that?" Yeah, right. Exactly right. If if that was happening in, I don't know, Tennessee, right, uh, and there was a disease in Tennessee, and and this was I don't know ninety one, right, and we locked down the entire city. We we're like, oh my god, it's basically the zombie apocalypse in. Uh, I don't know, Knoxville, right? Everybody would rightly be losing their mind. Now, why would why would the the guys who are literally organ harvesting the the subpopulation they don't like uh, lock down an entire city and spray it down with disinfectant? Because they felt like it. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't put something like that past him. Being yeah, fair, but. You know, I see this is why I stopped myself talking about fucking COVID too much because it just, uh, it's, it's funny in retrospect, but oh my God, people were losing their, I mean, uh, all these people and, and there are many, um, tons of people who I was super early on, like how the seventh lockdown was bad. And I'm like, I was telling people not to panic when you were screaming to lock down the whole country. In fact, the whole world. Shut up. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. 
No, there's been there's been a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth for. Well, only I thought I could have sworn I turned that thing off. Son of a bitch. There we go. Problem solved. Anyway, uh, yeah. Thanks for ruining the whole interview, Evan. I know, I know. That's what I do. <laughs> that's that's what I'm here for. So anyway, that, yeah. that was it. This was the smoothest thing ever. No one had made any mistakes up until that moment. Damn, it's because I'm here. Thanks, Craig. I must have butt texted him from some other worship's phone. There we go. All right, now let me completely turn off that so that it only vibrates in the future. There we go. Problem solved again. Oh, that's just that's just self congratulatory, there, pal. I am not putting it in my pocket. Anyway, he didn't say he wasn't sliding it down the front of his pants. Just throwing that out there. Also, not doing that. It's staying <laughs> on the desk. I mean, you can you focused off a lot on where you're not putting it, not where you are putting it. Fair enough. <laughs> it's over there on the desk. By God. <laughs> yeah. So we've covered a lot of everything. We got to Omicron, which is something I was really keen to cover. And I don't think you were here, but we did actually uh, talk a little bit about the um, the New York uh, concentration I camp bill. Just, just showed up. Yeah, that's actually getting voted on tomorrow, so we're going to want to follow oh, up boy. on that one uh, later on, maybe the weekend or something. Well, you know, never again means never again, but fuck it, I guess. Right? Yeah. It's funny how quickly people forget. It's It's like they think that work makes you free or something. Well, it does, right? I mean, let, that's what the just, sign says. Exactly. And furthermore, again, as as we discussed previously, this is just to help you concentrate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know. Oh, I can use that. I've got ADD. Right. See? Yeah. Look I mean, how, how many people are on the spectrum these days? Yeah. You know, we got we got what one in eight people on the spectrum. It's 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 just called for. It's an it's a natural thing. That's why they did it in Australia. Exactly. That was about a one in 110, but we'll go with that. Is it a uh, look, it's it's 2022. Uh, by now, I think we all know that 97% oh. of statistics are made up on the spot. I think that most people that do come into that nowadays are just going to be self-diagnosed with their own pronouns for it. So don't mind me uh, throwing out a stat from basic memory oh, yeah. three years ago. Yeah, no worries. I mean, uh, we've we've thrown basic science out the window anyway, so it's all good. Why would we throw Fauci out the window? I said basic science. If and, and he's advanced. He says he does. Sorry, his followers say he does. Well, at the very least, they think he walks on water, so. Yeah. Well, he represents the science, apparently. Indeed. As opposed to the science itself. I feel like we're going to have to rerun that whole Jesus routine now. Uh, well, we could save it for another time and actually just do the whole thing. Well, you're going to have a hard time nailing him to a beaker. Those are made out of glass. You know, you say that, but uh, they, they make those shot glasses that have got the right. bullet in them, you know? Well, I mean, you could nail them to it when it's a couple thousand degrees. That would work. It would just probably be a little bit more uncomfortable for the guy using the hammer. Well, I mean, let's be it's fair. True. It's that's, that's a price worth paying. But Whatever you do, make sure you turn the camera on. And Fair. Oh, you know what? That's a brilliant segue, sir. Brilliant. Brilliant. Speaking of cameras... And uh, regrets. So it seems like people are finally starting to ask about who Ray Epps is and why he's got so many different things to say to say to so many different patriot groups and why he had them to say 
while old Don Treasy was having his conversation with the people about 20 to 30 minutes before then. As a matter of fact, he was talking to folks and advising them how, how cool it would be to go and storm the Capitol. Yeah, so well, like the uh, 4chan meme, poking the stick, go commit crimes. Oh, yeah. Hey, kid. Right. Well, yeah, don't, don't you, don't, you, you, you want to you wanna go storm the Capitol tomorrow? Which, by the way, greatest video of any of this is uh, them all chanting fed at him <laughs> 10 seconds later. Yeah, that is excellent stuff. Seeing it called out really, uh, it warms your heart a little bit. It really does. Oh, it, it's sort of uh, horrible funny, though, because let's face it, um, all, all those people still sitting in jail in perpetuity for a bunch of them. Right? Oh, yeah, man, I mean, we've got a, yeah, we've got essentially a bunch of uh, trespassers that are being held in uh, horrible conditions, absolutely, yeah. absolutely atrocious conditions, stuff that would make a Turkish jail look, uh, well, actually about on par being fair but indeed <laughs> you know we've got these people being held in uh, nearly third world conditions for essentially trespassing we've got basically no real so, worthwhile convictions i got a question on that one i mean we're not talking about the uh the toilet water fountains of uh, aoc fame here now are we i mean we have actual video or photo evidence of what's going on I mean, of uh, more than more so than the hearsay that you'd find otherwise. That's my curiosity. Oh, I'm following up on a terribly de- in in depth here side. So know. we're we're not going to get video of the jail conditions. And, oh no, uh, that is that we've, is going to be for one of two reasons. I think we've Either, got like one or two letters out of people in there, and then we've got uh, what's been conveyed by their lawyers, to my understanding. Yeah. And, so the lawyers would be a little more reliable, but I'd still say it's probably more from the hearsay side of things as far as what I'm going to believe. Uh, a letter out of jail, you know, I, they could be talking about freaking dragons and stuff at that point. I, I would not put much into that, but that's just because at this point you just kind of have to be cynical and skeptical of these things. Now that said, well, we they, do have testimony out of uh, one of the people who was released after saying, I don't like Donald Trump anymore. And... Fair enough. And I apologize for ever thinking that he was a good person. Are we talking about the vegetarian guy? Uh, no, no, he's actually still going up to trial. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. didn't even didn't though, even though that's sent- happened. What's that? Right. Didn't he just get sentenced? Oh, he uh, may have. Uh, what was uh, QAnon shaman? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and he got something ridiculous, uh, mostly because he was in the press. Uh, and, and that might be just my cynical take on it, but forty-one you know, months. Yeah. And yeah, it looks like that was about mid-November. So even yeah. despite his uh, turning tail on that, they still uh, they're still getting him pretty tough. No, I, I mean, I, I will say uh, as to the be cynical about this, I, I generally agree. On the flip side. Um, Court pleadings are pretty well matching the letters that are coming out of there. Um, there there's okay, indistinguishable differences. Well, now, that's corroboration. Then. I, was, I would be curious to see that kind of thing. In, uh, indeed. But that's, that's all I would ask is that something that is coming through in testimony or has some kind of bearing of proof behind it. 
Well, much like uh, well, much like HCQ in the early days, the uh, it's starting to to pan out as correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, it's how these things go, right? It runs counter to what uh, let's call it lefty media uh, likes, and therefore it gets no coverage. So it's a right wing conspiracy until next month when it's on. <laughs> you know, I don't put any. I, I also wouldn't come in with accusations of conspiracy either. It's just I wait for something to be proved before I believe it. Happy yeah. to have an open mind on these things. Uh, it's a more, I mean, the world we live oh, in. that's fair. I, you know. Well, Craig uh, is uh, Craig is my grounded side, so, you know, you have to understand <laughs> that he's, uh, he, he's uh, my hard science fella, where uh, I'm, I'm the more esoteric one. And then we've got uh, Steve, who's the other side of the hard science. So we got a we got a pretty he's, fun mix here. It's a shame he couldn't be yeah. here, but he's got uh, he's I honest to God he's doing God's work right now. He's doing some yes, really yes. good stuff. He's helping somebody out that's been through some really bad addiction and some trouble Maybe in life. Help. And well, you I'm know what? He's doing his work. And that's he's the, he's the most doing thing he's there. doing good work. He's trying to help somebody out that's trying to get out of bad addiction and. That's just a better place to find yourself on the other side of. Yeah. It, and a lot of work on a uh, guy who I don't know his behalf. But, uh, you know, I, I've been there with people. Um, you know, uh, it'd be nice if you could stop puking on my floor through this part of this place. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, they're past that, and now it's on to the, okay, we need to figure out how to fix the damage that you've done to yourself. Ooh. So... But I, yeah. he actually got through that part of it pretty quick. So, I mean, he's got a good method. And, you know, hey, it gets out there. I'll, I'll be happy to. him write up whatever he's doing as a case study if it's working out. I think he said yeah, he's going to try and do that. So let's yeah. uh, let's hope he does because, I mean, a good method to help addicts is, good Lord, we need that today more than ever. We've got so many people addicted in a bad place. Give them structure to rail against within reason and, and yeah, also, it comes from a point that's time. not Narcotics yeah. Anonymous, a.k.a. Scientology, and also not right. the church. So these uh, these are two big selling points. Uh, see, the, the Narcotics Anonymous guys, um, I don't follow them anymore, so I'll just take your Scientology at face value. Um, there was a time. I mean, I'm again, I'm old as dirt and a giant boomer or something. But, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, where those guys were doing some decent work. And oh, sure. If and they... not to say that uh, NA doesn't do good work. It's just it's uh, foundationally built on Scientology or sci- Scientological teachings, I guess would be the correct term. Awesome. So if we're talking about an Alcoholics Anonymous derivative, then they're they're pseudo- oh, We are not. Uh, religious. Okay. Because that, that's pseudo- they use the that name. That is, is not, not, not a good thing. I, no. No, actually, uh, no, they, they specifically went to that. Yeah. yeah, no, with the uh, the Narcotics Anonymous, they just went with it so that they could okay. kind of call, do a call out oh, to Narcotics Anonymous. Yeah, it's Maybe actually, it's that's, ugly. That's such a brutal thing. If they're, if they're anything close to Scientology, like, Clearwater should just be nuked at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just, or better yet, you know, chuck them in a volcano. They can go meet Xenu. Well, hey, look, uh, that, that sounds like you're just promoting them. Well, you know, I... There we go. I should go jump on a couch. <laughs> there is actually... Oh, man. I can't remember the name of the group right now. Not the... There's a couple of Branch Davidians still around, but that's not who I'm trying to think of. 
the um, when Hale Bop was coming around, they were the ones I want to oh, say Williams. out in California. I, the the Raelians, uh, not the actually, it might have been the Raelians. They had the uh, the the outfit and the Nikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's still one around, by the way, and he's on YouTube. What? Okay, now I need that link. I will gladly <laughs> include it in the show links, and as a matter of fact, I'll That's drop excellent. it for you when we finish up. But yes, and he does regular live streams. He was the one that was meant to stay behind as the record keeper, and he's like keeping up everything. It's um, it's amazing in its way. That's got to be fascinating from an anthropology perspective, man. Absolutely. I mean, that's got to be fascinating for about a million reasons. <laughs> right. It is. It absolutely is. No lie I mean, at all. record of YouTube videos of his change in personality over time. Or or, if it, or its consistency. That's oh, no. It's, it's actually fantastic. since the events that he's made the uh, YouTube channel. So you're basically mm-hmm. able to just see someone who's kept it up the whole time. Wow. Yeah, it's really wild. You know, that, that's another thing. He didn't drop, like, any of this? Because isn't the world supposed to be over by now? Well, I don't th- I don't think that their particular dogma actually called for an end of the world so much as mm-hmm. there's this chance for us to escape. Well, yeah, and the, the, the reasoning went something along the line. Well, you know what? I guess to be fair... In retrospect, maybe maybe they had a weird point, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, was, I mean, the world's uh, gonna go to hell, and we need to eject now. And oh, uh, yeah, the, you know what? <laughs> the semantics of that was kind of left open, wasn't it? It was <laughs> just like every other doomsday cult. It's kind of like, well, you can twist the words a little bit, finagle this comma here, and yeah, it looks kind of like right now. Look, uh, for <laughs> as everyone knows, you can switch any two letters. Oh, right, yeah, so, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? There was that great bullshit episode uh, where they had the guy, the guy with the, the, with the yeah. Nostradamus. No, but the guy, uh, what was the, the crazy book, bookshop guy's I will, name? I, can't remember. I will never remember that guy's name, but I will Probably never equally, I, I will equally never forget his, oh, everybody knows you could just swap two letters. Just, I was like, exactly. really? I love that part. You just rotate them around, swap them around. Who cares? How many times can you do this? As many times as you want. There we go. 3SPM is the channel name. I'll put that in the show links, and I will be glad to link you fellas up for that one as well. Good. All right. I'll drop that in general for you. I feel like this is going to be hours of my life just instantly wasted. Oh, man. Yeah, no, like three hours streams every couple days. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I I only drop in for now. paying attention that. There's got to be someone out there paying attention enough to like make little 15 minute clips out of, of the crazy. Oh my god, this has been going on for a long time. Oh yeah, no, he's he's he up the website's still up, and he's the guy that maintains it. Twelve years, wow. twelve years. Holy shit! Yeah, you wanna you wanna talk about oh, a deep dive? It's only like 10 videos a year, maybe? Even less than that. And sometimes he skips a year. Hmm. But they've well, been... Some uh, things might have been taken down, too. That's entirely possible. Yeah. Because if I understand correctly... Uh, from the bits I've seen, he does get into some real kind of chintzy topic areas that YouTube does not like. Well, well that's everything, so... True. Yeah. True. <laughs> 
Depending on whose shoes he stepped on that day. Right. So, since we're... Well, we're not really on that topic, but we were covering it. I was told that you actually were able to make it to the uh, festivities in January last year. Why was it January 6th? Um... So, when uh, when we did our show leading up to that, I told everybody, Hey, go go down there and talk to your reps. Do what you what you got to do, you know, because it's important that we have our voice heard. Since then, things become a little more complicated. Well, there there was the shtick, right? Is um, you know the channel was uh, doing pretty good at the time, and I said, "Look, I'm going," uh, and yes, I am going to protest. Um, if you uh, want to go down there and cause a problem, then stay the hell away from me. But um, you know, if you you know, if you think this is BS, then I'll see you down there. And um, that it is, it is simply saying that is now a problem, right? Because um, it's how dare you, right? And you get a lot of the, the insurrection y non, like, oh, you went down there to cause an insurrection. Like, look, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know, right? This. This is the most well-armed country in world history. We don't go to insurrections without guns, right? And you can give me all the stupid New York Times articles or USA Today articles. There were five guns found. Uh, okay, look, I, I, prior to my tragic boating accident, I owned more than five guns, all right? <laughs> yeah. like, well, I know that I've had, I have the worst luck with boats. The worst luck with boats. I haven't managed yeah, to keep a single straight, sir. <laughs> well, you know, every time I go out fishing, you know, you got to take protection. And this last time, I lost my last one. What are you going to do? Indeed. What it's are you going to do? Problem. It is. It is. Well, they're made of metal, so it's like one of those drops. You're not. You're not going to just you grab it. A magnet would work, but they're all they're all non-magnetic. Well, I don't want to buy clients from you know uh, clients. I don't want to buy uh, <laughs> products from China. So you know, I don't have that many magnets. Freudian slip. <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, yeah. But you know, it, it's sort of like sunglasses too, right? You you go out, you're on the boat, you got a quality oh, yeah. pair of sunglasses with you. Those things fall off the boat; they're gone forever. And you know, the, the down at the bottom of the lake, and fish are hoarding them. But uh, you know, if you if you were to take a high point out there, I'm sure it would just float oh, back up to the surface. Oh yeah, yeah probably. the high point would hop back in the boat, wouldn't it? Fish would throw it you back. Don't abandon me. <laughs> I don't I have, suck. <laughs> I have a friend. Hmm. Oh my! Now I've, I know I don't want to back you into a corner here, but I've been told that you might have been one of the folks that uh, fucked around with the barriers. Is there anything to that? I didn't. Um, I have leaned. Well, okay, so. I am in the uh, Tucker Carlson documentary. Oh, congratulations, right? I hope. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's a lot of people that as soon as it aired were like, oh, my God, Don, they've got video of you, like, ripping down a barrier. And I was like, no, they don't, because I never ripped down a barrier. And so I went and watched the thing, and I went, no, that's when we all got tear gassed. And you oh, can what, see me that, uh, Would that be about the same time that that one lady got tear gassed and beat to death by the cops? Uh, I don't know, because that was in a very different part of the building from me. That's fair. Um, and so, you know, the, 
there's this video of me, and I, I am holding on to one of the barriers, like, death grip style with one hand, and, you know, trying to get as much tear gas off me as I can with the other one. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, look. Uh, hey, as long as you're not pulling a Yoba and be like, milk, 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 I need milk. <laughs> you're pretty much okay there. Oh, no. Um, I, I would say there's no crying, but it's tear gas, so invariably there was crying. <laughs> it's right. just no no whining, right? Um, Fair enough. Fair but, enough. You know, a lot he, of manly cursing then, huh? Uh, so when um, when the, the first set of barricades came down, I, I just jogged up mm -hmm. to wherever the next set of barricades were, and right as soon as I got there, a cop pulled out some OC spray, and OC sprayed me in the face. And that was the only time all day where I was seriously cursing because that stuff sucks. I can imagine. I can imagine. I haven't had the pleasure of getting it directly, but uh, I have been in the vicinity, and it's not the pleasantest of stuff. No. Um, and it was, you know, uh, OC spray is a slightly different animal. And, and for those who don't know, it's a, a big, deep, bright red. Uh, and so, you know... <laughs> Other point of note, if you're cooking your eggs on the stove and you're using cayenne pepper, make sure the burner's completely covered. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> you'll learn what it's like on your own. You can do it in your own home. Mm. The, only, the only real problem with that is getting it out. Oh, yeah. No, it, it gets into everything. And stays but, there uh, and toxifies over time. No. In the in the world of, I should probably say, legally covering things, um, you know, there there are a lot of people out there who I have talked to who are like, yeah, so I heard that you beat the shit out of a cop. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean... Uh, well, I, we know I, that I, didn't happen. I mean, what? Yeah, what the hell? You, you still you beat your wife? <laughs> exactly, right? You know? Uh, and and it's, it's odd because... I'll, I don't know where a lot of this comes from. Most of the day, uh, I stood leaning on a barrier, talking to a cop. So, you know, I, 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 I didn't do anything exceptionally crazy, in my opinion. I'm sure that will not stop them from telling you that I was the the leader of an insurrectionary group. But uh, well, actually, uh, I've been told that this whole thing was planned by uh, by a gloom tube uh, who was responsible for all of the things. They, 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 internationally notorious that I'm sure you have both heard of. I, I feel like I'm going to go look this guy up and he's going to have like 21 subscribers or something. Uh, he, he's actually kind of an art house guy that was streaming on the, on the, at the time restreaming, I should say at the time. Uh, yeah. yeah. He was like showing uh, Yoba's feed and somebody else's feed and somebody else's feed. And then the times did an article about him because why not? They're the New York Times. I mean, it's their job to lie. It is. Uh, but, I mean, you know, um, well, at some point, I may or may not, uh, you know, go get my own little hit piece by them on the subject. Well, you don't, you, you haven't really made it until Taylor Renz has come out and said something shitty about you. Well, you know, uh, we all have hopes and dreams. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm aiming for it myself. So, um, well, sir, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I'm also glad we could clear that up because, uh, I'll be honest. I got a little bit of messaging behind the scenes, like, Hey man, this guy, you know, this and that. So I'm glad we were able to clear that up quite amicably. So hopefully that'll resolve any further questions as well. 
happens a lot. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of... Uh, I, I've been rather open about being at January 6th, and then as soon as you say you were there, it's like, uh, well, clearly you attempted to burn down the Capitol. Like, not, no. Yeah, I, we're not saying you're John Sullivan or anything. I mean, you know, you right. might... You know, you're not Stuart Rhodes. You're not uh, the mysterious individual who planted something in front of both the RNC and DNC. If there is anything that points to how ridiculously stupid this is, it is that, uh, you know, people who, like, were in D.C. that day are getting tracked down, and we can't find that guy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Why, uh... And the other thing, the you know, the whole the bombshell of this that Stuart Rhodes, Ray Epps, and John Sullivan have been subpoenaed, they haven't been subpoenaed by the January sixth commission. They've been subpoenaed by one of the defendants' defense people. Yeah. Like how how ridiculous is this? What what kind of uh honkety honk clown word have we found ourselves in, you know? Indeed. Um but the see, this is the problem is that so much of this is going to keep, you know, so much of January 6th is going to keep going on like this, right? You know, the day before yesterday, I think, the article started coming out every day is January 6th. Well, and, I mean, uh, let's be honest. This is their foundation myth. Mm-hmm. Like, this is and their it, this is their big bang. This is their uh, God passed along the face of the waters moment, you know? Exactly. And so much of... Um, you know, there, there was a guy, uh, that I talked to that has been, in fact, I talked to the guy that was in Pelosi's office on the way out of DC that day. Ooh. Um, I forget his name, but they, he uh, is they the threw guy. a book at that fella. Yeah, they did. Um, and he was, you know, he was like, yep. Yeah, so just walked in, sat down, took a picture. Right. Um, and. Oh, did he touch her vodka ice cream? Uh, so that's that is. Know. That is the important question, right? You know, did did he steal government property, apparently? <laughs> but, uh, you know, and nothing that gets talked about from January 6th is anything like what actually happened on January 6th, right? Um, well, that's you know, the, not necessarily true. I mean, if we talk about the, uh, the yet still unindicted breach team... I mean, yeah. that, that pretty well meets the descriptions, but then, you know, we only know who, like, one or two of those people are, and they kind of glow a little. A little bit. Um, and and that, that's another thing, right, is uh, people talk about whether or not Antifa was there, right? And and I know there's the video out there of them changing out of black block into Trump clothes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was walking around handed out water near the end of the day, and a dude in black block runs up and goes, can I get some water? And I was like, no, you're fucking communist. <laughs> Well, he turned fair. around and walked away. I mean, they were definitely there. There, there was no, you know, no excuses, no nothing, um, for a bunch of guys who were on the backside of the building. Um, you know, Trump put out that video that was like, "Hey, everybody, go home." And about twenty percent of the crowd was just like, "F Trump." You know, he's he's a piece of the part of the swamp too, and we need to, you know, go and I don't know, fight the cops or whatever. And most of the crowd was like, I don't know who the hell those people are, but we're leaving. Yeah, that'd, that'd be Ray Epps and Co. Yeah, pretty much, right? And so, um, you know, it just, nobody, there, there's more rumor than anything vaguely regarding fact about it. And for, you know, having simply been there, 
occasionally worries me some. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, they are uh, they're doing everything in their power to destroy anyone even remotely connected to that. Indeed. Well, who isn't in their employ, I, I should specify. Which, by the way, has been the other great part about this is, uh, Dawn, you, you said you were at January 6th and you're not in prison, so you must be a fed. Yeah, just be, well, yeah, uh, if if what you say is correct oh. and you didn't cross that line, then as much as they might want to, as desperate as they could be to put you there, they just don't have what it takes to do so. I mean, if you look at the numbers on things, there's got to be plenty of people that fit into the niche that you're in. You know, there's only, what, 800 or so people that made it through the doors inside the building, yeah, uh, inside and out, and then there was uh, maybe a couple thousand outside. There's what twenty five thousand or so total that were there for the uh, for the rally, I think. Oh, so this this is another. Now I have the numbers off the top of my head. That is uh, that is particularly weird about this is, is everybody somewhat rightly concentrates on like all the guys who are on the side of the building uh, where the doors open and people went in right. That that's where all sure. the discussion is. But there there was a point in the middle of the day. Uh, where I jumped up on the highest thing I could find and looked behind me, and people were stretched out from the back of the Capitol building into the National Mall, like a couple hundred right. feet. There were thousands and thousands of people. Oh, yeah, it, it was akin to Obama's inauguration. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, well, and, hilariously enough. Yeah, right. Um, and look, at the time, it was what everybody was making fun of, right? Oh, a bunch of dumb boomers who were just singing the national anthem. It's exactly what it was. And it wasn't until a couple days later, well, that night, I guess is more accurate, that it became, uh, you know, this bunch of dumb boomers who are, you know, uh, not worth paying any attention to suddenly well, became insurrectionists, right? Oh, yeah, you could watch the narrative shift in real time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's irritating at some points that it goes down this way, but uh, Well, let's hope that this provides some uh, answer to some of the curious parties, and that uh, maybe we can I don't know, uh, disabuse some people of those uh, ideas What's, What do you say? We'll see. Uh, you know, again I tend to be pretty open about it, so if you really want to know just ask. <laughs> Fair enough That's a That's a very reasonable stance to take and I'd say we've covered everything that, uh, actually, we came into this without really much of a plan. We've covered a lot of very interesting subjects, and uh been a pleasure having you on, sir. Well, thank you. It's been a good time being here. And so I know I talked with your uh, scheduler, and that uh, I might come on to yours. We'll have to figure that out, because I'm totally down. See if I can't get Craig here. Maybe also, fingers crossed, Steve. Indeed. I'm sure we'll figure out something. And was there anything else either you two guys were wanting to uh, try and cover since we're doing this early show today? Oh, uh, I was just curious what kind of conversation you had with the, um, if you're able to go into details, what kind of conversation you had with the cop at the, at the uh, barricade? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a fair question. Was it you know, a cordial conversation or was you know were you trying to explain yourself or uh, what kind of things were going on there? So, um... just two guys shooting the shit? <laughs> For about half the day, that's a lot of what it was, right? You know, there there was a guy that, uh, you know, I got I got up and I started leaning on this barricade, and he was like, don't come over the barricade. And I was like, dude, I'm not coming over the barricade. Wherever you guys tell me to stop, that's where I'm stopping. And he was like, oh, well, okay then, right? And so 
you know, I was, he, he was, uh, he's sitting there and somebody tried to pull the barricade out from under us. And, you know, that, that guy eventually went away and, uh, he was like, thanks for not, you know, pulling on that. And I was like, I mean, look, I, I don't actually want to fight you guys. If I wanted to fight you guys, I would be coming up over this barricade. And he was like, well, that's a fair point. So I was, uh, you know, how, how are we doing? You know, you guys have riots here every other day. Um, you know, and the right generally doesn't show up. Conservatives generally don't show up. Republicans generally don't show up. You know, is it, how are we doing? He goes, well, you got, you got a hell of a lot of people here. I'll give you that. So, um, and, you know, there was a bunch of stuff like that most of the day. And, um, you know, at some point he was like, well, you know, I, I don't even really disagree with you guys. And I was like, well, man, look, I'm not coming over the barricade, but you could, you know, there's nothing stopping you from hopping over here and uh, telling these people to pound sand and that you hate what's going on. And he was like, mm, I really kind of can't. And I was like, hey, look, I'm not telling you that you have to give up your pension, but seriously, at some point you either just agree with this and keep going or you go, well, look, I'm not doing this anymore. Um and, you know, I, I disagree with what's going on. He was like, well, you got kind of a good point, but, you know, I was following orders, of, you know, I, I got family, I got rent, I got, and I was like, look, man, at some point, you know, either that is the guiding principle of your life or not. And he was like, well, you know, but you guys can't just rush up on federal buildings like this. And I was like, well, no one is like burning it down. Um, yeah, like what? Just, just prior a month ago, there was a a big group of people that stormed the the Capitol and got inside, and none of them right. were charged for anything. Exactly, you know. And I was like, "Well, look, man, you know, most of what's going on here is is people, uh, yeah, just shouting and yelling. And I mean, that's, that's really what the First Amendment's for. Well, but still, you shouldn't be in federal buildings. Okay, well, fine." Um, and somewhere around there, I got, uh, I got tear gassed, um, and took a step back and then somebody did rip the barricade out from under him. Uh, and I didn't see that guy again for a while, but, uh, you know, just walked up to the next one, got, um, which was all of a couple feet back, um, stood in front of that and tried to talk to a couple of those guys. And, um, right around then they started pulling flags out of the crowd, right? Cause the guys with the flag, they, they, they were shooting tear gas, you know, 40 millimeter tear gas grenades into the crowd. Uh, and at some point, the guys with the flags started hitting the tear gas grenades back at the cops. Right. Oh, that's funny. And um, so they started reaching in and pulling the flags out of the crowd. Um, and then they started throwing them on the ground. I was like, look, son of a bitch. How about if you just don't? Right. How about, you know, how about you pretend that you give a shit for a minute and at least lean it on something. I know that's not the correct thing to do with it, but don't throw a goddamn flag on the ground. And he was like, well, you know, like, it's really not that big of a deal. And I was like, yeah, kind of is actually, you know. And then I told the guy, I was like, fine, you know, I'll tell you what, how about I'll go pick him up? He's like, oh, I can't let you over these barricades. And I was like, well, what? It just doesn't matter at all. And he was like, well, no, but, like, I'm not going to do anything about it. All right, hell with this guy. The prior cop was a lot better. So I started ignoring him for a while. Um, Just following orders. Pretty much, you know. And, and this is when you start to get 
some of the videos that are not very prolific, but you see the the cops with um, the the like industrial strength uh, pepper spray canisters, right? It it loops under yeah. your arm and it's a giant spray now, and they're just walking up and spraying into the crowd. Um, and right after that, they started doing um, you know, kettling, basically, where they just jump into the crowd and grab somebody and then pull them back in. Uh, and this is where that video of the steps in the back, they pull somebody out of the crowd and just beat the hell out of them for a while. <laughs> that happened about that time of the day. Um, well, to be fair, that happened, happened quite a few times that day. Yeah, it did. Um, but that's where that's where it started happening, is they had, uh, you know, they, they got the riot gear cops. Um, and after that, the cops became a lot less talkative. Once the riot gear came out, that was that was about it. Um, well, so oftentimes that, those uh, those riot cops are kind of trained to a bit of a different standard and held in a bit of a different light. To well, they're that point. they're um, on a completely different edge when it comes to that. When they get the riot gear on, the assumption is that there's something that's going to happen, even yeah. if nothing happens. That's that the point is, in theory, at least you know their safety and yours. Blah blah blah. But they're supposed to be looking for shit happening, not uh, not relaxing and trying to engage in the public a little bit more. And you know that that was about the end of the conversation for the day. Uh, to be to be fair, around you know not too much long, a couple hours after that is when they called in the National Guard, Trump put out the video, etc. So um, well, Pelosi did not uh, delayed as long as she could, but they did eventually get him out there. Indeed, um, and in. Nobody talks about it, but it was nightfall by the time the guard showed up. So, mm -hmm. uh, do you think there's anything that the police could have done? Well, um, I, I, I mean, obviously, there's many different points of faults and and um, and and either favor and the conduct that they had. But you know, was there something you think that could have calmed things down or done better that day? Oh man, uh, so i I hate to be that guy, but generally mm -hmm. speaking, the cops instigated most of the problems that day um mm -hmm. you know the there's a a story going around about a guy that got hit in the uh, that hit in the face um and died of a, a, a aneurysm right oh uh, sick uh no not sickening not a cop no, no, uh, okay um and it's been real quietly reported, and not a lot of people are talking about it that guy um you know, as people started walking up to the uh, the back of the, ca the Capitol building, not the side that everybody walked into, um, right as you got up to where the stairs are in the back of the Capitol building, a cop leaned over the top of the little dais that's there and shot that dude in the face with a 40-millimeter grenade. Now, to be fair, it wasn't a frag grenade, but, you know, it was a 40-millimeter gas grenade, right? And when I say in the face, I mean uh, directly north of his right eye, uh, and a little bit out towards his right ear. Yeah, that's um, so that's like, basically getting smashed in the face with a hammer. Yeah, and a big we're hammer. talking, we're talking thirty, forty feet maximum, mm. right? You know, gas grenade didn't even go off. Didn't even meet arming distance. So, you know that that thing was moving, um, and no one had done anything, right? It was just people. To be fair, walking, running, jogging, right? You know, not um, not everybody in some slow, peaceful march or anything. 
hell, this is the time that I was jogging up to the Capitol building, right? And so, um, you know, that that guy died uh, a couple days later. And for all of the, oh, we, you know, and you hear this in some of the cops that have given interviews, oh, we were trying to help the wounded, my ass. You know, that crowd pulled that guy out of there um, and ran him to the back and called an ambulance. Uh, so is this a uh, name that we could get later, maybe? Or just, it's, if, it, if it escapes you, that's fine. It, say that one more time. Is it we could what? Is this a name that we could get later? All right. Yeah. Okay. Would you be able to get us the info on the individual if, if possible? If the name escapes you, that's fine. You know, that's interesting to follow up on that. Yeah. I'd, I'd personally like to throw in an article, at least if I can find one on it in the show links so that people can follow up on their own afterwards too. If, if, if you can get it to me, you or your booker, whoever, whatever. Uh, I'll get it to you. Um, Much obliged. Probably just send it to you on Twitter. Cause I think that's where it got sent to me. Oh yeah. Um, that's perfect. Just, I'd like to be able to include that just uh, if not if not for our own reference sake for you know people following up on this on their own too. Probably, I mean, by all means, because it's that's equally at the same time, right? Um, again, I had some people with me, right? So jogging up to the front, and right as this guy takes this forty millimeter grenade in the face, um, you know, there's there's a set of stairs on each side of the Capitol uh, where the scaffolding was in all the video. Right. Yeah. And there's there's a little dais above that. On that dais was a squad, you know, a dozen, 15 maybe cops with M16s aimed down into that crowd. Um, and that, that was literally the moment people got there. And so I'm grabbing people as fast as I can, being like, mm, I don't know where the hell you want to stand, but it needs to not be in that area. <laughs> you know, this big stone thing between us and the bullets sounds great. Um. And so, you know, that goes on like it is for a while. And make no mistake, you know, I'm not saying everybody who was there is, uh, was some saint or anything. There were plenty of people who... Well, I mean, I've already, I've already uh, mentioned Yoba, so, you know, you know he was there. Right. Uh, in fact, there was a permanent set of fencing on uh, the Capitol building. And a couple of guys kicked those down. Uh, shit, I got hit in the face with one as they threw it back through the crowd. Um, so, you know, there are plenty of dickheads there. But, um, you know, as everybody's standing there at these barricades, equally, as I said, you know, right as I ran up, somebody OC sprayed me in the face, right? <laughs> so they they were, you know, all the, they, they didn't have anything, they couldn't do anything for crowd control, really, because they popped a lot of it right quick. Um and then it was about 20, 30 minutes after that that they had the guy uh, throwing both tear gas and those those uh, rubber ball beehive grenades into the crowd. Um, and he's just standing behind um, the line of cops that's at the barrier, just slow pitching them over their head, right? You know, that nice, easy, up-in-the-air angled arc so that they're popping right on top of the crowd. Um and they kept doing that till the crowd got pissed off. And as soon as the crowd got pissed off, then they would escalate to something else. Um, and when people started pulling the crowd back, all of a sudden you'd see the gas grenades again. All of a sudden you'd see those little beehive rubber ball grenades again. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? Hmm. That's incredibly peculiar. It is. Um, and what kills me about this is it sounds a lot like what you hear from, you know, Antifa, right? Uh, when they go out and start actual riots 
is, uh, well, the cops incited it, and uh, I've been on the ground for Antifa starting a riot. Um, Antifa starts the riot. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's, that's kind well, of I mean, To be fair here, to be fair here, they're, you know, they have an organization. They, they, um, you know, they, they follow tradecraft uh, hierarchies, so. They do? The, uh, to an extent, yes. And uh, the way that the way that they operate, I would not be surprised if there were useful idiots on the ground. Not to say that anybody, you know, surrounding you was, but there, there's likely people that for Antifa were on the ground, there in earnest, thinking they were making their difference in the revolution or whatever. And I, they have the jackass next to them pop a cop in the face and then start a riot. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, the guy who's and, there to make shit happen actually does his job, and the other people are left confused wondering what the hell happened they say they copped it because that's all they saw yeah uh and that definitely happened a few times um benefit for me as it were because i i almost got yanked over the barrier once um is a cop i was sitting talking to in the middle of the day uh somebody started you know somebody somewhere um if you've never been in a crowd like that it's impossible to tell what's going on more than about three or four people away from you um, and, and so people that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's just a mountain of humanity, right? You know, basically everybody's shoulder to shoulder. There's a few breaks in there, uh, where, you know, there's stairs or whatever. So people are on the next stair down or that sort of thing. But generally speaking, it's just a mountain of humanity. Right. Um, but the barrier that I'm holding on to, somebody starts shaking it from the other side and cops start reaching in, trying to pull people out of the crowd. Um, and since there's a barrier between us, you can see a little bit further right there, but I, I couldn't tell you that cop's badge number, or even what his height was, right? It's just arms reach out across. And so, um, as they start doing that, and as much as there have been some, you know, cops started a lot of problems here. Look, if a bunch of cops are standing at a barrier and it's, oh, it's time to reach across and grab people, then it's just time to reach across and grab people. Uh, that that's how unit movement works, right? And so cops start reaching across. And one of them grabs me by the shoulder, and the dude standing next to me goes, "It wasn't him." Goes, Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, he's been standing there the past two hours. It wasn't him. So, um, if I ever run into a problem with this, I hope I can find that cop. <laughs> right? Yeah. Good luck. I did. Did you have a video on at the time? No. Uh, so. It, that was that was another problem is, uh, you know, there are a bunch of people who've got live streams out of there, right, mm -hmm. um, from both sides of the building. And I have two phones that I take for this sort of stuff um, in, in the way that basically everybody who records with a cell phone does, right? Um, and I couldn't get either one of them to get anything out, which oh, has made me suspicious from the very beginning of everybody who was live streaming this. Because I was trying all day long uh, to the point that I had a guy uh, who was with me that you take 30 seconds of video and it was like, well, do you mind being the runner who just clicks the upload button? He was like, no, cool. And so, you know, here's 30 seconds of video. All right, take a dead sprint. I'll, you know, next phone, take 30 seconds of video, dead sprint, <laughs> upload. Um, that's yeah, I understand. It, actually, that's a lot of what they're having to do in Australia and parts of Europe now with a lot of their footage from their riots, because for some reason, the signals are really bad whenever they're having uh, demonstrations. Well, 
To well, be fair, when you cram a bunch of people into the, a very small area with cell phones... Oh, yeah, there is only so much space on the, the network. Well, it, it really... its The problem is it's its the slowest... It's kind of the slowest connection tells everyone oh, yeah. else how fast they can go. So when you cram people in more, more densely and everyone's trying to do the same thing on the same towers, it yeah. really does screw things up bad. Oh, it, it's a denial of service attack on every tower. Yeah, uh, intentionally. Exactly. That's how it works, right? Yeah. It, it, it turns into a, a kind of DDoS, yes. You, you've got... Uh, average person has, what, like 10 apps that are reporting in at any given time? Well, put 300,000 people on, let's be generous and say 10 towers. Uh, that's 30,000 person a tower. Towers are meant to hold uh, something like a few hundred people at any given time. <laughs> so... There's just limits on what the networks can do, uh, which, again, is what makes me so, yeah, how were you live streaming? Uh, now, if there was anybody who was sporting satellite, I, I get it, but I looked into that when I went there, and that is ridiculously expensive. Yeah, those really haven't dropped much in price at all. Yeah, um, and if you're going to do stuff like streaming, it's even worse, right? Because you need, um, it's about two megs is the hard minimum, and... It's really easy to get about 500k. Um, you could do that pretty reasonably, but once you break the one meg line, it gets really expensive. I can believe that. No, especially with satellite. Yeah. Now it will be interesting. Uh, on a vaguely related note, it'll be interesting to see if all Elon tries to uh, capitalize on Starlink by adding a uh, phone option. Oh yeah, because I yeah. mean that's brilliant. Okay. The current option for satellite, the uh, you know, the it is what you get satellite package they've got. It's like a hundred bucks a month. Yeah, uh, and it's for high speed satellite, which is fascinating on its own. So, I mean, technically, you've already got the voice option if you're using anything, and you can. Uh, oh yeah, voice is always an option. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, so be careful with that because. Much like uh, your home internet connection, high speed is not really very well defined. Um, and yeah, in America doesn't... specifically, it's it's yeah. undefined. Whereas exactly. in the European Union, I think it's a hundred megs. That is um, the definition in I think it's South Korea where they have just about yeah. the highest connectivity on the planet. Yeah, they, uh, I think it's by law you can't have less than a hundred availability. Yeah, the, uh, the the government there paved over the whole country in fiber, just got almost twenty years ago, uh, yeah. and they've been they've been pretty wild about what you can get for bandwidth ever since. <laughs> and uh, they they've basically been routinely kicking uh, the U.S.'s pants until Google Fiber came along, and then even then, uh, only so many customers get um, that uh, one uh, sorry one gigabit uh, yeah. fiber line stuff. So yeah, it's they... getting better. Good, it is. But, I mean, um, there's still major cities without full fiber service for any given yeah. customer. So you know, we've got a we've got a bit of a ways to go. But the free market Indeed. isn't necessarily the fastest solution, but it is usually the best. <laughs> it's fairly efficient, though. Yeah. Well, uh, this is another one of those things I looked into doing in my life. Uh, is you know, all right, go start ISP. What's this look like? And it's <laughs> expensive. Different. Don't get me wrong. You know, but. Um, <laughs> The real problem continuously when you're dealing with cities is uh, the city government, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, Zoning is a motherfucker. doesn't matter where yeah. you are. And yeah. it's 
okay, let, let's get particularly autistic for a minute here. Uh, so zoning for your ISP is done by the poll. Huh. And I mean that literally. Every mm-hmm. single poll. Um, and for all of you who are like, Don, you don't know what you're talking about. My, uh, my ISP runs, you know, fiber under the ground. It is between pole distances, right? So pole one to two. Um, and it is that way in most of the country in every major city, you know, and even most of the smaller cities is the way that they deal with this is you lease pole distance and then they draw lines of where you can and have to go and all that kind of stuff. And I was like... I want a part of this uh, because the people that you have to compete with to get that poll is Comcast, uh, AT&T, Verizon, you know, (laughs) they're not giving it to you. Fascinating. That that does explain why I see the rise of wireless, you know, going so much faster. Yeah. Because you're not, it's just a matter of finding a place to put it, be it a pole, be at the top of a building, whatever. You can just put something wherever. You don't have to run it on wires that already exist. Or new exactly. wires alongside wires that already exist, which require, just like you say, you've got to get their leases from the city, state, whatever. Well, that's, yeah. The new wire is horribly expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you're moving beyond zoning. You're going to have to get lots of permits that they're not going to want to give, depending on how big your city is and uh, how it. blue your city is. Well, you you and, want and... to expand services to people that don't have money? Uh, what? Yeah. Well, why? Well, and that that's another thing, right? Um, How's the poor? You know, what? I, I used to get kind of pissed off at the, uh, you know, the AT&Ts and the Comcast of the world because at the time I was on the West Coast, and that's who there is. And they'd go, well, you know, we're looking at expanding into your neighborhood. And I was like, you're a multi-billion dollar company. Shut up and just do it, right? And then I looked into doing it, and I went, oh, that's why they're not doing it because every every little municipality that you travel through is somebody else that you have to lobby so if yeah. uh, you know if your your suburb is in kind of an odd shape and it would be easier for you to just go in a straight line between two points, if one little section of that is in the next town, you have to now go lobby the next town, get a whole new set of permits, get a whole new uh, you know set of purple uh, zoning agreements, etc. And if anybody else, you know, if if uh, Comcast runs through that area. Uh, you have to get them to be willing to modify the Comcast contract, which by itself is basically impossible. Yeah, good luck in uh, good luck levying Congress to do anything. Oh, they'll come at you with an equity agreement, which basically puts you out of business. Oh yeah, you know, and that's um, if they're willing to do anything. Exactly, and but the problem then becomes right, like no one, uh, why they don't want to put this any of this fiber in there is. Uh, for for everybody who lives in the suburbs and is like everyone around me has fiber, why don't I? This is why, right? And I was like, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a lot of this really ties back to the same kind of bullshit that happens every single day in California, and it's just because oh, yeah. people kind of kind of get how that is. It's like I want to do something, but the state says no, or the city says no, and that's how a lot of these things really play out. So you can kind of explain them inside of that framework oh man did you see that that san francisco parasite uh with that thread about how why he's moving to miami and how he, he doesn't like miami politics already but he's gonna go there no what yeah there is uh, uh, typical yeah i uh find this guy again um i bet if i search from my name 
and then I just put in Parasite, I'll probably find them. There you go. Or Locust, something of that variety. Now, swarm of them, I mean, anyway. This is, this is not really a surprise, you know, they're... There, there are two major groups of people leaving California. Uh, one of them is everybody who is to the right of Mao, right? Uh, and I, I mean that legitimately. They, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm Sadly, a huge it's socialist. Not a joke but, anymore. Yeah, we're 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 going a little too go, far guys. now. You're gonna love this thread. <laughs> oh no! Hari Rangavan. Aha, uh-huh. yes, I will gladly include that. Oh, but of course. <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote himself a blog post on uh, why and, he's moving, and he thought and, he'd be well-received, but and everybody hates it. The people that live there, the people that are living where he's going, and uh, yeah. everyone in between. See, that this is the other group of people, right? This is, you know. Well, uh, I realize that uh, San Francisco should be progressive super heaven, but for some reason, it's just not yep. working out. Yeah, the grass is always greener to the plague. So, well, you he's know. Uh, he's he's got to go and vote for the same shit that made him want to move in the first place and be confused again in about ten years. Yeah. Well, and th- this is why does everywhere I move turn to shit? Yeah. Well, literally so... in this case. I mean, we are talking yeah, about San Francisco. I mean, you, you ain't wrong. Uh, I like how he says in the, with this one post, the Midwest really is wonderful. Spent nearly a decade in Chicago. And, uh, <laughs> points there, Chief. That's not Midwest, that's Chicago. Yeah, that's yeah, where right. the Crypt Keeper lives. Jesus. No joke. Uh, you, you know why, yeah. by the way? You know why uh, a bunch of Californians show up and turn everything to hell? Because everybody moves out of California for the uh, on this front, right? There's always one policy that they disagreed with that now actually impacts their life and they hate it right uh, no. and i've watched yeah. it happen i was over just gonna say it's because cancer just metastasizes by its nature but you know whatever yeah th- this is how. 65 didn't cover politics Oops. <laughs> and it should have uh though funny enough it's on every political building in the state um but you know, everybody moves out because of one policy that they find ridiculous because they grew up with a lot of these, right? And they, they've been slow rolled with them. And so they've gotten used to them over the years. And eventually one particularly weird California thing happens. And they go, that's it. I, I'm leaving. This is a problem. Uh, and they go and wherever they move to doesn't have every other policy they got used to. And the biggest example of this was the 30-day mandatory return that all of California has, Right. Um, Californians keep moving all over the country, finding out that that's a California law and not, you know, a federal law, and then voting it in and wondering why all it, when they first show up to these places, everybody's return policies are great. You know, look, you've got seven days, maybe, but, um, you know, if it lights on fire, bring it back and we'll give you a new one. And then they vote in this 30 day return policy and all of a sudden it's uh, okay, so we'll replace it. As long as a demon now that, popped that, it out didn't of it. happen on a tu- it happened on a Tuesday during a blue moon and an eclipse, right? Right, you know, and and they're like, God, why does this keep happening? Like, well, because you keep voting in all of the policies except the ones that you hated, right? Oh, that and reminds then it turns me, out uh, there's not the same huge strides being made these days in automation for fast food. Isn't that wonderful? Weird. What a coincidence. <laughs> That was, oh man, I've been on the internet too long, because when that just barely started, 
right, when it was just barely starting to get traction, I was telling people, like, you need to stop with all of the workers' rights nonsense. You know, you can argue whatever you want for where this started, but we're now at the point where, you know, you need to have 60 days off per year, right? That That's two months these people need to be paying you to be not working. Do you I have any so idea lucky. how much, right? Do you have any idea how much you're accelerating? And by the way, when I, I say that, California basically has that law, right? Um, I think it's two weeks and two weeks. Uh, so it's only a month um, guaranteed. But then after you're there for so long, it has to be another few weeks and this, that, and the other. There's a bunch of stuff, right? Um, and it's for full-time workers. So shockingly, California now basically has no full-time workers. Yeah, especially if they are from out of California. I definitely don't have any out-of-California gig workers. That's a fact. Um, and so, you know, they, they keep... They keep going with this, and they're like, well, the automation's coming no matter what. And I, well, maybe it is, right? But do you want it here tomorrow, or do you want it here in 10 years, right? And it, well, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, right? Because if it's here tomorrow, we're, we're kind of screwed, guys. <laughs> you know, it's coming presuming... in the next five to 10 years uh, for, for a lot more than people realize. Middle management's going away. Uh, a lot of the project management side of middle management. Yeah. It's the, the AI um, scale up on that is, is happening. And basically everybody who's in project management actively right now is training the AI that will be taking their job in five to 10 years, five years more likely. Yeah, the yeah. ugly part of this uh, too is uh, a lot of these cases, they could be training the AI without even realizing they're doing it. Well, that's, they just, exactly. They get, they, the AI watches their actions on act, like actionable documents and so on. Anything yeah. they're doing inside their automated systems, any any uh, computer actions, uh, tasking, um, evaluation, etc. AI watches that and and then competes with them in the same company and does it better, and then they're out of a job. And this has been happening for the past five or so years, uh, but it's it's accelerating at this point. Huh. Um, and it, it's great for business. It's just uh, if you're in project management. You need to have translational skills, and a lot of people don't have those. This is, uh, again, the same problem, right? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, truckers are going to get this in a few years, too. So uh, it's not that, like out of the... that probably. Uh, I mean. Well, they'll, they'll put in laws to try and make it harder, and they are doing that. Municipalities are doing that. Well, But it's they're... not going to work with the economic pressures, especially after this pandemic gets done. There's two major things that are going to stop it. One, um, we wouldn't have truckers in the way that we have them now if they weren't one of the more powerful lobbies whenever they feel like it. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's probably not going away. Um, but two, there there is this wild idea that, um, and you know, I, I have hated this since Yang started this because, as far as I can tell, he at least popularized it. Um, you know, we're we're gonna lose all the truckers. Okay. Um, this this is a statement made by someone who is not familiar with the trucking industry. Um, most trucking is done at a company that owns 20 trucks or less capacity. And sure. even in that case, most of their trucks are as old as they're legally permitted to get away with. Right. Um, that's a, actually, that's a really interesting point. I'd like to cut a little segue in here on that. That's why we saw a lot of the issues specifically in California with unloading. Because I believe it was 
uh, trucks made before 2004 or maybe 2014 were just not allowed to come into the docks. Yeah. Um, California did this thing, oh, 2018 kind of vicinity, where uh, you have to have a, a digital tachometer specifically to keep track of your mileage and daily run hours. Uh -huh. And the response to that was a lot of the trucking industry just going, we're just not doing that, right? All the guys based out of California did it, but for all the guys that are based out of the Midwest, they went, mm, that'd be a hard no. We just won't deliver to California. And that is when California started to have its own little micro shortage problem that nobody talks about, right? And like, it wasn't a giant deal, but it did exist. Um, but this problem gets, you know, orders of magnitude bigger if you were looking at guys who are buying, uh, you know, old tractor trailers because they keep on hand, um, you know, a, a ridiculously small number of trucks, usually three to five, and then their own truckers buy their own trucks uh, by, you know, they, they go drive for a year or two and then they go to the bank and say, see, I make this much money and they get a $100,000 loan for a truck. Um, and they are running their own personal truck and just, you know, deducting mileage and uh, repairs and what have you from federal taxes. Well, if that's the case, who the hell is even buying all these trucks? And the answer is nobody, right? Good, good. What, the individual trucker is going to be like, oh, I'm buying an AI truck to put myself out of a job. Oh, and by the way, I won't get paid for this. That, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and there, there would well, basically need to be an industry to come out for it. You mm -hmm. forget that the shippers that pay truckers to deliver product have an active financial interest in this, and that a lot of them are larger companies that will be driving that, uh, that market change. So Maybe Amazon, so. for example, looking at using drones for delivery in cities. Oh, yeah, like an Amazon, uh, a Walmart. Can, you can expect them to, uh, to, they will to buy inboard their own no, shipping and do it that way. The, the drone thing's already happening, right? There's a handful right, of Right, exactly. I'm saying they will buy a fleet of AI trucks to try out at least. And so if it comes down to a cost uh, issue there, they'll side on the one with the lower cost. If they can manage to make AI trucks stupid expensive, then well, they won't be a financial um, advantage. But if they don't... They're, they're going to be stupid expensive regardless, right? Because it, sure. it's worth noting what you need these things to do. Yeah, well, uh, you've got to take a semi-truck, point one, and well, then you've got right. to automate it, point two. And then you've got to do a bunch a bunch more above and beyond that to make those two things work. Well, let's, so. let's look at a way that you could also change the infrastructure around the endpoints, because that's largely going to be where uh, the manpower is going to still have to be invested in besides repairs. Um, if you have If you have automatic docking to uh, a drop-off or pick-up, you know, if you have if you streamline that process in such a way that it is not as difficult as uh, as current um, current product transfers to be, right? But you know, again, if, if it just slides right in there and it's done, then it's that's that's look a at, time and a cost savings. Look at what you're talking about now. You now need to retrofit every major dock sure. in the country. Now, again, I can't even imagine. Out, though, if you don't even have to do that for, imagine if you're not doing primary dissemination to outlet. Points though. Imagine if you're just doing it say between warehouses. Uh, even and, if so you're Amazon and you want to transfer between warehouses, and you have a lot of products that you can't fly around. Sure, it's uh, possible they they might just design in to their next phase of, of construction, whatever that timeline is. 
they might have that as one of the planned options is to have some, again you know i think the, that. Go ahead. It, this doesn't change that it's going to be ridiculously expensive though and when i say sure. ridiculously i mean ridiculously right yeah because there, there's some parts of this that you obviously are going to be carrying over right i mean a loading dock is a loading dock is a loading dock right. it's what you're going to have to put on top of that that is where the increased cost comes from but you're going to have right. to do that for all new buildings. Then you're going to have to go retrofit all old buildings. Then you're going to have to buy the number of trucks. Um, and, I mean, there's going so to be... So the buildings some... aren't as big of an investment for them as the property that they sit on. So the uh, the cost of... of put, so depending on the technology invested into the actual infrastructure itself, yes and no. But we're just talking about four walls and a roof. Then the warehouses that they have are remarkably cheap given the volume that they contain because of the surface yeah. area is all you're really paying for. Right. But what you're talking about is moving them from four walls and a roof. Right. But what to... I'm saying is that if they had the property already, the re restructuring of their infrastructure is not as expensive as the, uh, as, as interruptions to the flow of product through it. All right. The, well, uh, let's, let's, uh, yeah. let's take a shot in the dark at a number of what it would cost and, sure. you know, forego for the, uh, you know, but maybe it'll be X amount. What, what number are you thinking it's going to take to retrofit? Uh, I have no idea. Per building, right? I, again, shot in the dark. I won't hold you to it. Oh, sure. Uh, let's say uh, they're say they're they're large warehouses. Give it somewhere between ten and a hundred million. Okay. Uh, is that for... say there's say there's a hundred of those around the country to give you a, a round figure? All right. So what is that? Ten billion dollars we're talking? Well, up up to so say one... a billion. One to well, just cap it at a billion. Okay, uh, so it's a billion dollars just for the warehouses. Um, what is what are the trucks going to cost? Oh, let's let's say we uh, we throw those in at a, a quarter million a piece. That's okay. I think that's a, a sounds reasonable for a cutting edge AI truck. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but let's yeah. let's let's call it a quarter million, right? Let's um, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, that's not far off okay um a time and a third sort of of what a, a new ish truck and trailer would cost so right. maybe that's right maybe we get this somehow throwing you know say there's some say, say the uh the annualized cost is around a quarter million dollars uh for for uh, down payments to start there um yeah, just to, to rope in a couple of years of, of whatever subscription fees and blah 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 they're also they're paying for well, guaranteeably they are too, right? Because the AI right. is going to need updates invariably. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're probably Service contracts, etc. Yeah, right. So, uh, let's call it uh, within ten years, say three quarters of a million a truck. Sure. Okay. How many trucks do you think they're going to need? Uh, ballpark, say ten thousand. Okay, so. Um, what is that? Uh, the, We're getting close to a billion dollars again. Right. I was going to say, can we round this to an even two billion? And yeah. then the question becomes, what's the return on investment on two billion dollars? Right. Well, keep in mind, big... we've already set a uh, a reasonable a reasonable horizon for our ROI at ten years. So let's call our break even optimistically at five, but def but uh, hard brass tacks ten years. And then. That means so that over ten years you have to earn back your two billion, and you have to have a reasonable uh, percent um, 
a reasonable he percentage did. on that that is as add an advantage to your current tech, um, your current setup. Now, this poses the next problem, right? Uh, most of uh, valuations in this country work on quarters and go no more than five sure. years. And well, so if, just to in industry inside baseball here. So chemical engineering is what that's what I do. Uh, sure. Your your typical plant turn your your plant payback period is ten years. Uh, that's the target. Indeed. So you have to break even at ten years. Your business plan goes out to a max of twenty five years in terms of your industry uh, production. So if you want to have a, an ROI, you have to maximize it by twenty five years, break even by ten. Exactly. Five years yeah. for a turnaround is is real hard to do. Indeed. But this isn't chemical engineering. This is this is infrastructure for Amazon or whatever. You got it, right? And who, by the way, are very obviously willing to take risks on infrastructure. So Certainly. Uh, well, I was yeah. going to point out when we, turn, we start saying, well, they aren't going to be willing to do this. I was going to point out, look what they've done for their their uh, their back, the base of the second tier warehousing. It's oh, all no. robotic, roboticized and automated internally. That's a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, it's a little bit, sure, granted. Um, but largely, but... when it comes to packaging orders... Um, just not not actually like boxing them up, but getting the bins together. Yeah, they have in the, in their mega warehouses, the, the handful they have around the country. They've got most of that automated. Like there's there's fantastic videos on YouTube where you can watch them how they zip by each other like a millimeter gap. Yeah, between them and so on. There, there it's, are... it's really fascinating stuff. Indeed. Oh yeah, efficiency uh, is uh, just the efficiency uh, products and. Not... Scott, whatever his name is, um, something else. The guy who does the kind of one-off random videos all over the place, uh, Scott, whatever his name is, he went to one of these Amazon warehouses. Then uh, they had, I think it was two thousand or so units on the floor. Uh, all of them individual AI. Well, I mean, this is where the whole wage cage thing, stuff. the wage cage oh, meme yeah. came from. You know, hold on, because this this is uh, that's a very different right. AI. I, I was just going to go grab that as a video to throw into the links. I'm not going to try and drag us into that one, too. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's but, that's uh, another matter entirely, yeah. A, right. AI in the warehouse is not AI on the road. No, uh, no. And, not by a long shot. Yeah, I mean, let's forego that, is, is, uh, that rabbit hole. But um, the question is not whether or not they'll be willing to do it. It's whether or not you can manage to live through it, right? because you will run into a problem that not all of this will happen all at once. Right. Um, so at, at, that's not a, you know, well, a perfect analogy there is the, um, the wall between East and West Berlin was not built in a day. It was just, you know, one day, Hey, you know, uh, you're going to need your papers if you cross over the next day. Oh, Hey, we've got these guards, you know, the right. day following, Oh, we've started the foundation over here, but you know, you're still free to go left and right. And then, you know, a few months down the line, there's a big fucking wall. Yeah. Um, there's a slightly different problem when you're running a business though, right? So let's, let's say, because they're not idiots, what they're going to do is, uh, automate the major hubs first because right. they're not idiots, right? Well, yeah, I mean, sorry, the guy's name was Tom Scott. So, ah, thank you. Oh, yeah. That makes much more sense. Um, yeah. but you know, they automate the major hubs first and they're still moving stuff in traditional trucking method for uh everything else because sure. why would you do it any other way right um the problem that you are now running into is that you are 
all, all those costs that we went over are now exploding, right? Um, oh, oof. I will, I will forego that correction needing to be made. Uh, it's totally fair to me that it's close enough. Um, Oh, no, but... no, no. I, I'm going to go out right and say it right now. The the video I was thinking of is not Amazon. That is a grocery store uh, in England. Mm. But it's the same uh, same, uh, same deal. Same I, and it was, I was mistaken. Definitely. It's like Amazon's warehousing, but it's not Amazon. Uh, so I, I'm not intimately familiar with it, despite having been following Tom Scott for years. Um, but... Right. Regardless, you, you get this problem where now it is no longer just $2 billion, right? Um, sure. It's $2 billion plus however many years you have to run traditional trucking uh, with overlapping costs. And this this problem of, you know, uh, second order costs gets progressively more out of hand the more that you do this. And so it becomes less of a problem of whether or not Amazon is willing to do it as it is whether or not Amazon can even soak it, which I don't say sure. as though Amazon is about to run out of money tomorrow, but somebody else showing up being willing to lobby the government to you know, get all the cool benefits that Amazon yeah. got is a pretty likely scenario, specifically so, if they ever look vulnerable. In terms of shipping costs, obviously this is you know, a random site off the internet, and I mean, you can go to their sources, et cetera, but this is through 2020. Um, release date February 2021 data, the shipping costs for Amazon uh, is is over $60 billion. Yeah. So I, if we're talking, say we're talking uh, $10 billion. Well, yeah, say they uh, could they take $10 billion do. of that cost, inboard it for 3 to $4 billion. Well, this this is going to be, again, th this is where the problem comes in. Because, well, okay. So... Um, Part of the reason that Amazon gets allowed to do what it does is because they have an agreement with the post office to handle a bunch of oh, the right. property uh, for what amounts to free. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've got a sweetheart's uh, sweetheart deal. And so you're going to have to, I mean, let's say that's somehow a, you know, takes into account what the deal that they've got with the post office. You are now going to transfer... Uh, a, a thing that yesterday was effectively free into a cost measure, right? And so now you're going to have a cost in perpetuity well, that you didn't have. Backing that up another step further in terms of time here, this is from 2006 to 2016, sure. uh, shipping revenue versus outbound shipping cost. So we can we can start to look into how the, uh, how the, the cost might evolve in that front. Uh, if Amazon, for instance, did so well with AI trucking that they started to invest further into that themselves, uh, you could easily see how they might sell that expertise to other companies. Well, that would definitely happen, right? That that would be the cost absolutely. that is like yes. absolutely required for them to do this. Um, right. You know, and the first people they go to is Walmart. You know, let's not kid ourselves here. Yeah. <laughs> I it's you're absolutely right. It's the largest employer in the United States. So, um, you know, they, there would be some cost mitigation they can do with this, but then, you know, Walmart is going to have a much bigger problem even than uh, Amazon is, right? If only because while they do have distribution centers that they could, you know, link up, their mm -hmm. their distribution network is very different. It is a, sort of a yeah. tree, right? You know, it grows up, out, and then has ends. Amazon's has a lot of internal recirculation, so simply linking up the uh, the distribution centers is a big deal for Amazon. It's not as big of a yeah. deal 
uh, for Walmart. And so, so the, the Amazon uh, example here, I mean, just to, for any of the listeners who might be familiar with these things, the Walmart being more of a tree is, is an efficiency measure uh, that it gets rid of a lot of, um, it gets rid of a lot of kind of those circulation kind of issues at the cost of efficiency, whereas the uh, web nature of Amazon incurs the penalty of having to solve the traveling salesman problem. Yeah, basically yeah. Amazon is hyper-efficient and Walmart is hyper-diversified. Really basically putting it that out there that way. Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll accept that. Um, but what you end up with then is that the cost is going to be orders of magnitude higher for Walmart than it is for Amazon. Uh, and so that is going to cause them the problem mm -hmm. that, you know, all of the problems that Amazon is looking into with this of like, well, well yeah, okay, you know, so I, I picked Amazon specifically because between the two uh, employers, Amazon has a, a better draw for tech oriented uh, personnel oh. and they've got Silicon Valley and Seattle and so on that they, they draw in from. So in, oh, in terms of how they're going to get the people to orchestrate the change in infrastructure and then implement it, uh, the personnel they'd be drawing from would not be necessarily, you know, you're going to have to have someone actually install the thing with a hammer. We'll put it like that. Well, do, but then right? you've got to have somebody do the back end of it. And Amazon has their, their global web services. Yes. Uh, um, they, they, they would handle that part of it better in, than say Walmart would. Yeah, invariably, that. yeah. In invariably, they're going to have some menial, you know, like, oh, we're dedicating point quarter one percent of Amazon Web Services to running this. Right. Uh, they don't care. I mean, the like, problem... you know, but other companies run their their services on Amazon's Web Services. AWS oh, yeah. is a oh, uh, make no... of customers for this uh, thing. Make, make no mistake, you know, if yeah. if Amazon pioneers this, it will be just like AWS, where everybody has stopped running most of their own web traffic and just went to Amazon. Right. Uh, yeah, take I mean, care unless of it. you're running Azure or something. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, and so they, they just went, you take care of this. It's no longer our problem. How much do we owe you per year, right? And yeah. that that would be the way of it. The problem is that, you know, I, I know why everybody picks Amazon when I talk to any about anybody about this, and it's because Amazon is by far, leaps and bounds, the single best example of where this even might happen. The problem, sure. uh, the problems are not non-existent for Amazon. Not the least of which will become uh, corporate liability for car yeah. accidents. You know, so that's that's still going to be a major issue. Uh, what I what I would probably end up see happening, you know, in, in the near term future is not a retrofit of roads so much as a, a streamlining of where municipalities might be lobbied to uh, implement either legal changes or uh, or infrastructural changes that would guarantee the, you know, non-necessity of so many legal changes. Yeah, it is entirely possible that... Automated, um, yeah. An automated transport system in parallel, not well, necessarily integrated directly into manual transport. Well, actually, uh, Arizona, I think, is one of the places where they're testing a lot of this out, and I think we might see kind of a... We might see either a parallel are, are system integrated. or possibly just a... Uh, a different kind of route entirely, almost something akin to uh, like how our yeah. train tracks run. Right. Well, it, if that's the case, then the question is why hasn't, you know, train or why haven't trains killed everything? Oh, it's, you have to go to all these different municipalities. Let's just take the uh, ISP example here. Right. You're going to these, ask these places for asphalt that they don't have. Oh, yeah. To allow you to put in a road nobody wants. 
Well, and uh, you have to have a financial incentive to do it, with, you know, which will probably end up being someone's. These, my threads are doing Iron Man numbers. I don't care anymore. Brian, my threads are doing Iron well, Man the, numbers, and I don't care on anymore. I want to cut my face. I want to cut my face. And if you don't get out of our way, we'll just go to the next town. Um, yeah, because that's, some, that's the other side of it. You know, something will happen in that area. Those, those tracks will well, need look to be Look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk yeah. left California and said, I'm I'm taking this postage stamp of a city in Texas and turning it into my next tech center. Yeah. And that's, that is currently uh, happening. Indeed. Or, and you know, so, you look at Hyperloop. They've, uh, they're putting their testing center in, like, the heart or, uh, of West Virginia. Or, hell, uh, in my own industry here, uh, you know, for polar processing, um, the Antec conference, the triannual Antec tr uh, trade show, used to be held up in Chicago, and, and now it's permanently down in Orlando. Uh, because they don't have unions screwing up the cost of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, very few places in the country can handle that much current going into different buildings. And it just happens that the second best one, I guess, was the one in Orlando or the one they hadn't tried yet. And they managed to get enough power in there and it worked just fine. So yeah. the unions in I Chicago screwed them out of having the entire plants worth of polymer processing show up. Yeah, that's comedy uh, to do to do trade deals, you know. Well, that's and that, comedy. that is really common. And by the way, what ends up pushing this right to roll oh, yeah. us way back? You know, if you want to go all this mo workers rights and think whatever you want of unions and how they began. I we can argue that some other day. But um, unions I think they are had a purpose. Uh, unions are the embodiment of mo workers rights and increased wages. Right. And so look, went to Orlando instead of Chicago because of the unions. That, that's what drives this. Now, again, that said, uh, a lot of this, now, make no mistake, uh, as as gas basically doubles in price, um, you know, if you, it, it will be a, a static cost regardless, right? Like, presumably, these things are going yeah. to be gas-powered, or I don't know, maybe they'll just be covered. Well, so I, I would assume at the start yeah. here, they're going to be gas-powered. Yeah, that was actually something else I wanted to that. bring up, because if we go electric, there's the whole infrastructure issue with that that doesn't really exist. So I would I would, I would, would go ahead and say your Gen 1, maybe Gen 2 fleets, the first five years, you're going to have gas-powered as dominant. There's going to be probably uh, phasing in for electric power as... If it's a parallel transport economy, then you're going to have electric built into it from ground up as it evolves. If oh, it's yeah. not there at the start, then it's going to be There's phased in eventually. Giant problems with trucking electric. Giant. Yes, there are. Um, and the liability they, is a big problem. Uh, liability is the least of your worries. It, no, reliability. Ah, uh, reliability. reliability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, that's definitively one of them. But the other is that you start to run into this problem when you're trucking a lot of weight and trying to get, uh, or you're moving a lot of weight and you're trying to move it with an electric car that you get really, really serious diminishing returns on oh, yeah. size and quantity of batteries versus additional power. And semis are the peak so, of this. The funny thing is my, my, uh, my original thesis work uh, was on storage of hydrogen for electric power and transport. That and might have that made it very possible. <laughs> that was one of those things that was going to be the kind of the, the the foot in the ass that would get that whole thing moving was how do we get enough energy density on these vehicles? Yeah. Uh, and it was chemical means instead of just a, a battery storage mechanism. Yeah. And it, it, you know, that's still in progress, however that's going. 
Yeah, uh, batteries have their place, but they still, are not the solution to electrics. We're still about 10 years out from having hydrogen storage um, on that scale uh, cool. viable as a, as a suggestion for a new kind of transportation infrastructure. Uh, so we're not there yet. Honda built one almost 15 years ago now. Uh, oh, yeah, Toyota yeah, as well. The hydrogen cars exist. The thing is that the weight, the main storage right now is terrible. Well, um, it yes. leaks out the tank on the out the sides of the tank. That's the bad part. Yes, um, but yeah, I mean that's a that's all an things considered. <laughs> all things considered, uh, a, a lesser yeah. problem, right? I mean, you just stack gaskets uh -huh. until you're happy. But um, <sighs> sure, I mean that's I, what I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm deeper into this territory than than you are by a mile, and and that's not a bad thing. So don't. I'm not dismissing you. But look, the you, you have it. You have a point. At the end of the day, that's effectively kind I, of what's happening. It, it's going to get churched up a lot from what I said, but that's how it's going to go. <laughs> but, well, it's, so uh, the material itself is the problem. Uh, they use mm -hmm. they use HDPE, uh, uh, so like a like a milk jug kind of plastic. Yeah. And they use a high strength carbon fiber composite to wrap that so it can handle the pressure. The problem yeah. is that the hydrogen's a tiny molecule; it it flies right through the sides of the tank. So the alternative oh. is to use 10 kilograms of steel for every kilogram of hydrogen. Well, that's reasonable. <laughs> well, yeah, right. So, so that's what they use outside a physics building. <laughs> it's not what you use in a truck. No. And so uh... to get around that, um, I used polymer that is like four to seven times stronger on a, um, a density normalized basis. So per unit, per pound, the stuff is the same strength, but it's like seven times lighter. Yeah. So that, that would get the job done finally. That breaks it to the point where you can get the job done. And then we looked at recycling and all kinds of stuff. And the main advantage is not permeable to hydrogen. So oh, when you I say mean... stacking gaskets, effectively, yeah, at the end of the day, you just have to have enough stuff in the way. That's that's the steel tank solution. Yeah. Um, and, so, you know, which is what they're doing right now. So any, any of those hydrogen-powered cars, to prevent them from being a, a giant liability disaster, they sacrifice mileage by using a, a tank that actually works. Yes, and it does work. Uh, it is a solution, just it's, it's not just the a best solution. solution. Yeah. Well, it's like putting batteries in. You know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we should be putting else. generators in electric cars, but. <laughs> uh, but should, then that kind of. Got to blow into. <laughs> diesel powered idea. Hey, good good news. Uh, uh, come twenty twenty four, all cars will have to have a straw that you blow into to get them to start. That's true. <laughs> uh, thank you, thirteen it. turncoats. Word of God, I'm never going to buy another car built after the 70s again. Uh, they'll, you know, if they, they force over the electric thing, first of all, they're going to kill half the country. But uh, Oh, yeah. Well, know. the thing is, it's funny because uh, the electric thing kind of could work. But it's just that the the uh, it won't work without the power generation required, which is going to come from nuclear energy. There's no way around that. You just simply do not have enough stuff. That's why you don't have enough renewable stuff to get the job done. Uh, having new are, are you saying that we won't be able to charge our cars up on wind and solar every day? Well, I mean, if you find a liberal and you go ahead and put their pull their head out of their ass, so get enough wind from both ends. But no, <laughs> Fair sorry. Fair enough. Yeah, good point. But there. that uh, that that is another giant problem. You know, there was a thing a bunch of years ago. A horrible person as he is on basically every. Every front, uh, Gates had built a, a nuke the size of a water heater that he was distributing across the planet for a while. And the yeah. premise was 
this thing would power a whole city. Um, yeah, for... so that was there's a floating barge yep. that they were dragging around the uh, the coast of uh, Russia. Yeah, as well. I think it was modeled off of that project itself. Exactly. And that one has actually been a success over in Russia, but of course the main problem is they they the um, the reach of the power grid is not sufficient, and yeah. they're having trouble getting the power from the coast where it's kind of the edge, the periphery of the power gen um, system, yeah. back into the main city, because they just don't have the infrastructure built in for that kind of power transfer. Exactly. So it's, it's a trickle. But the uh, the the stick with that is what you're going to end up needing is like millions of those yeah. given the size of the u.s oh yeah you know sprinkled all over the place but and we could do that we could do that but we that's absolutely the... don't want to well so that's 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 the interesting disconnect between the people who are looking at the power system as it is and trying to figure out how the hell we're gonna you know i mean it's it's like looking at a, a big brain field going how are we gonna feed all these people um you gotta get power to everybody and so the engineering side of thing Everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants, you know, modular nuclear reactors is the way to go. Uh, we want to get that'll be our stopgap between now and fusion. And, I mean, they and are rolling them out in France fusion. now. They, they, they it's, are. It's, it's yeah, it's it's what we want to do. And the problem is, you're gonna, you know, the, the nimbyism is is completely understandable because everyone's still freaked out after Fukushima and at the Three Mile Island. Haven't you so, seen Godzilla? Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, I was actually in the middle of watching the new one. Uh, <laughs> well then, you you realize how dangerous nuclear power could be. Exactly, oh, yes. it, it it creates very bad CGI. You know, oh. I I wish that the Godzilla thing was a totally unrealistic thing to say, but I mean, go listen to the people who are panicked about nuclear. That's basically what it is. Right. Yeah, and, and I but I totally get it. You know, like the same thing with I mean, and, and not to draw in us draw us off on another. Do you want another like, Chernobyl here in America? The um, same. I have a. I get the same idea. Of, you know. Same kind of respect for their hesitancy as the people who don't want the mRNA vaccines or any of that nonsense. So, you know, if if the, that nimbyism isn't going to go away immediately, it's going to go away by listening to people and then talking to them or talking with them, I should say. Talking at them is what we've been doing uh, the past two years for the pandemic. That doesn't work, period. I would Never. say more yelling so, and scolding at them, but, you know. Yeah, uh, sure. Here, here's yeah. here's the Here's yeah. the primary difference, right? Is because uh, I I am I, I am one of them evil people that just won't take the vaccine. Um, Look, here's the thing: it's your personal decision. It's not my body, and that's the problem, there's, right? There's consequences uh, to the, everybody doing that, mind you, but that's gonna that's the every the things affecting everybody. Whatever you, the, you have very, to convince the individual to do the thing they want to do. Very very different issues, right? Because. Yeah. The problem that I have with this vaccine is a cost-benefit analysis, right? Sure. Which is the the other side that I come on, on with nukes. Like, let's let's go ahead and and yeah. you know celebrate Chernobyl as though the Chernobyl right. reactor has any bearing on any right. modern nuclear uh, facility. It, that right. thing was a disaster in its own right as it was, and then they decided to run it in the dumbest way possible. And oh yeah, right. it, it was like a perfect you know, storm of bad time. ideas. You know let. Let's light off M60s in the gas station. Hey, why is it on fire? I, right. You know. Well, I mean, uh, like, despite what, despite what, uh, despite what Steve would say, I still think graphite is a fucking retarded. Uh, pardon my French here. Uh, a fucking retarded moderator for neutrons. Um, as a structure, like they they made the structure of the thing, like they piped water through it as a coolant. 
but the thing that was inside there moderating neutrons wasn't just the water it was the graphite like pencil lead and they wonder why the thing lit on fire after oxygen got in there and mm. it was like thousands of degrees are, are you saying that carbon can burn weird that's so strange but, oh yeah this is this is the shtick, right? Is let let's go ahead yeah. and celebrate all of uh, and I I spent a lot of time reading about Fukushima too when that happened. Yeah. Uh, and I I happen to know a guy who works on nukes, so I called him up and I went, yeah. all right, make this make sense for me. And he was like, it's basically Chernobyl all over again, right? Oh yeah. We did the dumbest things possible. We did it for. But that's the crazy you know, thing, though, is they didn't do all of the dumbest things. They did most of them. Yeah, that's like fair. the. the... Feel like the the generators were well placed until you realized they were on like right next to the dock, and then yeah. the fuel was in the right place until we realized it was on the dock. Yeah, right. Instead of if they moved it, if they moved it onto the other side of the generators, they probably wouldn't have had nearly as much of a problem. But tough shit. Exactly. Uh, and so, what you find in nuclear energy is that. Most of the times, and, and certainly, uh, you know, I don't know yeah. every detail of everything that's ever gone wrong with a nuke. Most of the times that anything has gone wrong with a nuke, which thus the moderating term most, by the way, uh, what you find is that this is the biggest stack of bad decisions that you possibly can get to get oh, yeah. a negative outcome, which presumably is not only happening where, uh, you know, things actually went wrong. Presumably there are other people who are making bad decisions, and yet, with thousands of nukes all over the world, this is not happening on a daily basis. So here's another thing to point out is we had all these fail-safes that are put in by people who are smarter than the people who screwed up. And what we've, what we've ended up with is very few serious real disasters. Exactly. Uh, it's, you know, the, the amount of leak, the leakage that happened at Three Mile Island is not measurable. For example, that was the biggest disaster the U.S. faced. And this yeah, was after that's trouble. that's yeah. our that's our big white whale, and it's yeah. really not much of anything. And as exactly. a fuck up, it, it wasn't that bad. If we look at you know Fukushima over in Japan as a design mistake, I mean they 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 basically got caught in uh, pants down in a once in a century event. Maybe yeah. it might have been a once in a millennium event. Well, and, and that, they just that's got, the they had thing. that bad luck. That's the other thing is even with all those bad decisions discussed earlier, it still took, you know, more than a little right. bit to cause a serious problem. Uh, and again, friend that works on nukes was like, just so you know, uh, there are new nuclear plants. They've existed for, I think, yeah. 30 years or something like that. They're substantially better, safer, et cetera. You gave me a little bit of rundown on them. And I went, well, that sounds like, and look, I'm not a nuclear engineer, uh, but, you know, that sounds a lot like, Basically, we've covered all the problems that we reasonably could that could exist, and these things a lot you would have to basically hit it with a nuke to turn it into a nuclear bomb. But you've already got one there, so it seems Plus a little. The thing bit... is, you never people think about meltdowns; they don't realize that you aren't going to have a a, a nuclear explosion that will never happen. It's yeah, Frankly, it's, it's, it's just it's just right. the way that the physics works out. The thing that will happen is you'll get contamination in the surrounding area, mm -hmm. maybe, and the way we've design systems since things like Chernobyl, where the fire plume was allowed to spread nuclear ash everywhere. Right. Uh, the way things have been designed since that generation of reactor, so the generation before Three Mile Island, yeah. um, you cannot do that anymore. It's it's not, it's one of those fail-safe things. There is such a thing as fail-deadly, by the way. Um, yes. It's just that typically happens to be a more of a normal than you would uh, like to suspect. But that's that's why fail safe is so special. 
but this is so, you know th- this yeah. is the shtick is that nukes are not you know, i mean i presume the benefits of nukes can just be assumed sure right like yes. uh, electricity and shitloads of it you know well it's not just it's not just shitloads of it it's thousands of years of shitloads of it oh yeah uh, That's you know, what we yeah, have. it's like one fuel load is gonna run you seventy-ish years. And I saw someone oh. on Twitter actually the other day who was, who was uh, proud that he opposed nuclear energy forty, you know, for the past however many years, because the uh, the remaining like seven or whatever it is in in Germany went offline at the start of this year. Yeah, it's like you shithead. And he's sitting there saying how you know you release so much carbon from refining the uh, the the fuel required. If you, fuel, if you powered that process with the nuclear fuel, then you wouldn't have to spend any fucking carbon. Yeah. Uh, you know, once you have the first one, you can make the second one for basically nothing. You know? But uh, even then, you know, the the discussions yeah. of new nuke plants, their their preferred method of, of acquiring fuel is going to where we've been storing all the old fuel and shoveling it into a truck and putting it into the new nuke reactors, right? So well, That's the thing is, is we also have all these, these downstream... So, you know, what people don't realize is uh, when you burn up, so you, you generate your fuel rod, you've got about 5% fissile material in it. You actually uh, destroy about 2% of that material. You get energy out of it, it becomes downstream products. The rest of it is still fissile uranium that is just not not at the right density, so to speak. It doesn't have the right kind of cross-section for it to, to react the way you want it to. It's more efficient to just pull out the rod and put a new one in. And there, you know, there's a pattern of circulation within the core that you, you know, as you're moving the rods, you're shifting them out and phasing them out. You move them to different locations to optimize the uh, the heat transfer, etc. Yeah, sure. Get as but much at the end of the day, you've only burned out. At the end of the day, you've only burned a little of the fuel that you've spent all that energy to put in there. Yeah. But the the uh, amount of energy it took to put that in there is dwarfed by what comes out of it. And you're only exactly. burning again about two percent of the stuff that matters, which is five percent. Um. So that's that's not very enriched stuff and i'm sure that i'm these kind of slight these are a little bit rounded off numbers i'm sure steve would pull his hair out but well again at the uh, end of the day you have all this fuel and you can go as you're saying go down there and, and just get it from the fuel dump that's basically what we could do and it's not just the stuff that burns slow like uranium people aren't are used to thinking about that as slow burning fuel it's very slow the half-life is on the order of like ten thousand years yeah um there's stuff like, you know, the there's some of those, there's much more fissile materials that would happily um, radiate away their energy if we would let them um, and put them in the right conditions. And it just happens that those reactors are a little more annoying to build and, and we, you know, a little more annoying to control, but we can do it. And more importantly, we could use those same downstream products to turn upstream products into the more fissile uh, materials we want to put into a reactor. So and we can take above you know, and beyond that too. In, you know, yeah, these uh, yeah, these same processes too could be used to desalinate ocean water for people in California. Yeah. They, well they that's unreasonable to have happen. Well that that anywhere is on planet Earth that, that hates nukes in California. <laughs> right? That is that is sexist, Evan. I don't know why you're talking about that. Well, I hate California, so it's fine. Anyway, uh, all of well, this was uh, uh, all all of this was a you know, the the comparison to uh vaccinations which you know uh i i apologize for whatever platform sure. is going to hate you for this but the cost benefits there are pretty gigantic and the vaccinations are not right so and... so the um one thing you'll you'll find here is is so i'm 
generally speaking here, you know, no one no one here is an anti-vaxxer by any stretch. And I wouldn't accuse anybody here of, of being an anti-vaxxer. Uh, and it's whatever you put in your own whatever you put in your own body is up to you, as far as I'm concerned. Once you become sure. an adult, you know and and you can stipulate the rational and reasonable bounds by which you're going to judge the uh the the decision and beyond that you know we just look at the technical merits of things you know i fall down on the side where i think it, the cost benefit says that mrna vaccines are a net positive uh well, steve the, fell on the, the side question... where he says it's not a good positive for him and, and it, it largely depends on your circumstances sure as well um... Uh, and generally i would say get the vaccine but again my real answer for that kind of thing is talk to your doctor because i'm not your doctor i don't know well and and people should be doing that in in the world of uh disclaimers that should be made none of this is medical advice you should probably not listen to a couple of assholes on the internet talk about whether or not it's a good idea for you to get any medical treatment of even like friends even with like talking directly to my friends who I would say, you know, if they need to get the vaccine, I'd tell them, you know, hey, dumbass, go get a vaccine. What I tell them first is go talk to your effing doctor, you know, because it, it, it might be someone I've grown up with. It's yeah, like, I who know knows? You might have uh, Yon-Barre syndrome, and if you take the vaccine, you could be actually actively damaging yourself. Indeed. Right. Uh, so, like, you know, it, it, this kind of stuff comes up all the time, and, and I think that people really – a lot of people have been have been making medical decisions based off of political information. Oh yeah, well, that's, just that's definitively the case. Cutting uh, their nose off to spite their face, and you know you shouldn't not take the vaccine because because the other guy says you need to take it or you're not allowed to go into a sandwich shop. I, I think I that we should focus on the know. not being allowed to go into a sandwich shop part. Well, that's definitively true. Um, right, but. And and forgive me, because I basically never get to talk to anybody who's, like, particularly pro go take the vaccine. So I'm just going to keep poking you about this. Oh, no, please, please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what when when you do that cost benefit analysis, what do you I mean, what are we cost of benefiting here? Well, so I, uh, we can look at the, the mechanism of action and uh, and what is what the. Um, the general product what, what are you producing in your body how are you impacting you know how are you impacting the same machinery versus not the same machinery uh, the mrna vaccines are basically just better at getting the job done that say a modified adenovirus vaccine would do like the johnson johnson one um so, uh, so instead of having the entire genome for so let's let's go back a little bit in vaccines sure you've got uh we've got vaccines that we start off with or were just weakened um, so, uh, you know, look, I, I, I got a small box on my left shoulder. I'm, I'm, I'm right. there with you. <laughs> so that's, that's a weakened uh, virus. So that, that is not as, as virulent or, or lethal. It's not as, you know, maybe it just doesn't replicate as well. Uh, then there's the inactivated vaccines. So that was when we just fried them with gamma rays. And then we said, okay, we have to have a larger dose of stuff that we throw into someone's body, but at least it's yeah. not going to replicate. So there's no chance. There's still, uh, well, let's say there's a, a minimal chance of actually developing a viral infection from that because you know the vast majority are dead yeah it's probably not going to actually get a chance it's a statistical zero uh it's not an actual zero but it's a statistical it's it's a pretty darn close to zero zero so then in the 1980s we developed the modified adenovirus vaccines um so that's when we take the uh the decoration on the outside of a virus that we don't like and we throw it onto a virus that we know we can tolerate pretty well and then that is a, a live virus vaccine. Yeah. Uh, then there's also there's also the dead variety of that. But again, the dose is so much larger, and we know that we 
generally people can tolerate these vaccines. Uh, it's it's a, a mild cold kind of, it's, it's less than rhinovirus in terms of uh, actual pissing off your immune system. And so then, uh, you know, about the, uh, about the corner of the, uh, the millennium there, we started looking in at uh, coronaviruses, uh, like 1998 or whatever it was, trying to figure them out, see if maybe we could get away of getting around some of those or the more lethal ones. You know, we had SARS and MERS in the meantime. Um, Mid-2000s, uh, mid uh, early 2010s, we got into looking at mRNA as a way of controlling cancer. Yeah. It just happens that it's easier to target your immune system against something that doesn't look like itself, uh, as, with, as with cancer targets. So the serendipity there was, hey, let's just make the um, these mRNA vaccines for going after the virus that your body will recognize anyway. In so the way that works is instead of decorating the outside of a, a live virus like adenovirus, you just take the snippet of, of, the gen, of the RNA from the virus that makes the protein that your body will recognize. And that's the only, the only bit you inject into somebody. But unlike a dead virus vaccine, it can replicate until the RNA degrades after, you know, five, anywhere However between many five iterations. hours. Yeah, so, so you get a few iterations out of it, and then the RNA mangles itself because it's not stable. But uh, and then it to, goes to make the point that mangled RNA is still in your system. Well, it gets, it gets digested and thrown out. Yeah, I mean, like, as long as you pee, that will not be a perpetual problem. So no, it's, it'll make it Though back to the, the talk to your out. doctor question, or back to talk to your doctor point. If you don't yeah. pee, talk to your doctor. <laughs> yes, oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. definitely fair. Unless unless you already know why and you've already talked to him, you know, if you don't need to ring him up every hour and say, "Doctor, I still can't pee." All right. So, Anyhow, so the, the point is, point is, the mRNA. We've 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 progressively moved from giving someone a live virus towards giving them only enough of the virus to make their immune system stimulate a response against it. Yes. So there's no chance of getting an actual viral infection from an mRNA vaccine. And more importantly, you can now give this to people who are immunocompromised because they have no, they have no chance of developing a viral infection from it. It takes yes. advantage of the same exact machinery that a, a live virus vaccine will, will produce, um, will take advantage of. Uh, to Steve's credit here on this one, you know, he'll, he, he agrees with me down to this point, and he has a very good uh, opposing opinion here. Uh, and that, that is that oftentimes with these live viral vaccines, the cell dies at the end of the process because it you know, fills up with viruses and then, uh, then falls apart. Right. So the, the one that had all the viral action going on, it, it goes away. But again, if we look at the prevalence of viral inserts in the human genome over you know past couple hundred thousand years, past few billion years even, you can see where where viral um, viral genetic material was uh, integrated into the human genome over time. Well, not not as yeah. in our human yeah. in our it, ancestors. It, it came the, with us. the shorthand is good enough. I, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but the, but if you look at the predominance at the prevalence of where you have receptor sites in your body, if you just look at a, a numbers perspective here, there's a very tiny minority of those that exist where the gonads are so propagation into the next generation has to happen from viral insertion there which means that if it's happening there it is happening everywhere else that it can happen under the same conditions which is a lot a lot larger of your body than you might suspect you know all of your lungs your uh, several other organs like kidneys and uh, maybe you know, certainly your testes 
But the sure. point is, you have if, if we're worried about viral insertions, these happen anyway. I'm not saying that they happen as often as, say, they could happen with mRNA vaccines. So that is a point against them. Is that is a there is that possibility? But if they you also are look kind the of made for the purpose of doing that. But well, but they're not. That's the thing. Well, they're they're not. No, but I mean, they're very good. If you at look it. at the way that a virus, if, if you look at the way that that mechanism plays out anyway, you realize that you've already skipped that step with the mRNA vaccines. So the viral RNA is complement RNA. It comes in. It has to be reverse transcribed and then turned into messenger RNA, which is what the mRNA vaccines are. It's the step after they've been turned into DNA, then back into RNA. So that reverse transcriptase step is part of the viral package you know that the virus enters the cell and it triggers that mechanism the mrna is the product after the fact so for that to then undergo some sort of insertion mechanism you'd have to have a different way of reversing that process and if you ran it through reverse transcriptase which it will not do because it's the wrong side of the helix mind you but if say you had a broken protein and it happened anyway then it still has to, it'll be included as an incorrect transcription. You'd have to have another mistake later when you read that back out of the DNA for it to do anything. It otherwise becomes junk. A lot of the DNA is junk because of that very reason. Well, that would explain why we see largely these things are tolerated by people, but we do see right. some very, very scary results. Well, some people, I mean, and, and Steve brought this up as a, a follow-up study that made him a little bit more okay with the mRNA vaccines as well. And this is that some people were not getting intramuscular injections. They were getting oh, yeah. when, or intravenous injections. Yeah, when, when the mRNA vaccine hits your blood, that's very bad. So it's it's what they found is a much higher association of that kind of mistake with a cardiac event. As and a matter of fact, might, it so, could be that many of our uh, heart-related issues could come from bad injections. Now, we right. might not ever get an answer to that because they don't even want to address the question. Well, well the main I, problem is, I, if you consider, look at it as a retrospective, you can't find out yeah. because nobody knows. You don't have, you don't have controls in the injection. Consider the magnitude of that problem, right? I mean, could you, where would you even start? Yeah. Well, you have to start with a controlled study, and the problem is, again, if you look at it as a retrospective, trying to do correlation analysis, you try to say, okay, how well does this study match up to the pattern we're seeing in reality, and how much of that can we extract from the overall pattern without knowing it a priori, uh, what you know, what fraction it is, what how to add it in there, uh, how how much that curve really is because of this problem, and the main issue is that you don't have anybody tracking, you, know, you don't have a, a video of every injection. You know, you can't see if every doctor did it exactly right, and, and then correlate that with a patient having a problem. The, well, the tracking on that just doesn't exist, so you'd have to do a, a, a study on its own and then guess after the fact, and we just wouldn't have a good answer anyway. Considering that lot, well, uh, to the sum total question of, of heart sure. issues, whether or not it relies to this, uh, a lot of it seems to be years down the road is the, the correlation that at least the people who make that claim make is that, you know, if we we have heart issues as we have them related to vaccines because so, stacked over 25 years this happened x number of times and each damaged the heart yeah. a little bit and then you ended up well, here's, here's another thing to bring in though is is people don't realize the the thing that actually so beyond the the botched injections if you look at what other mechanisms are at play the main mechanism that people tend to go back to or main main issue people go back to is pericarditis myocarditis 
and I made it a point on this uh, show yeah, we, before. We it's have discussed that, important. and it is actually fairly normal in yes, and of itself, but that do. does require its own caveat. So, so this important thing is more than 10% of flu cases present with myocarditis. Uh, at least 10% clinically present with myocarditis. And, and it presents typically as just chest discomfort. You know, So that discomfort you get on your left side, uh, a little bit of chest discomfort, that's generally going to be your myocarditis. Most, the vast majority of myocarditis does not require hospitalization or a doctor's visit, any of that. You don't even know what the hell it is. You just feel uncomfortable. But some people get... And it's because your body releases interferon when its immune system is stimulated. So the same exact thing would happen, but worse if you actually got a viral infection than rel you know, relative to the vaccine. There's less time that the interferon's released with a vaccine, and it's released at a much lower concentration um, than with a viral infection. So prolonged higher concentration exposure to interferon, which is produced by your own body, can't do anything about it causes more muscle damage it always causes muscle damage most of that is repairable by the way so that's the the muscle and joint pain you feel with a bad cold or flu that's interferon um, so that will happen with the vaccine or the virus the virus is just worse about that part so if we're talking apples to apples oranges to oranges comparison here on that front the vaccine is simply better for you than the actual infection. If you're talking about getting immunity one way or another. Oh yeah, hard and fast numbers. If you can't numbers. avoid getting any kind of exposure. Here, herein is the problem is we're pretty well two immunities off the table. Well, by using any currently well, available vaccine anyway. Well, so that's the other thing is if we're talking about vaccines today, I would say that if you're looking whether or not you should get vaccinated, I would look at hospitalization and death numbers, not the infection numbers. Which is unfortunate because herd immunity was the goal originally. You're going to have a serious problem with that, right? Uh, well, it's, and... it, it's we're losing the battle on this because we're in the middle of the gray area of immune um, immune evasion on the way down to a resistant strain of the virus. At that point, it doesn't matter how many times you take the same vaccine, the virus will not be affected by it. Well, it looked oh, it looks like with vaccines. Omicron, we've actually oh, crossed that line. Hold, hold, hold uh, on well, a minute, because that's that's well, not yet. Right? that that's I mean that is an issue, right? But sure. presumably, if that was the the holdup issue, then you know people would have been crusading against the influenza vaccine that people take like eight times a Romneys? year. Yeah, <laughs> so Romneys, clearly, that's that's the sex tapes, Those are you know, like if these Kardashians <laughs> are run for their money. Indeed, they are. But the if it was the, the vaccine we're taking yeah, right now yeah. was made yeah. for the original the virus, and we have like the that. virus has evolved away from you. I can get in the good angles again. You know, if it was simply the repetition of the vaccine, then you know that other vaccines require repetition would have provoked this right um so we, presume, we have, if temporal, we were being honest right there's a temp there's a temporal nature to this that is often ignored we talk about the vaccine today oh why is it not effective today it's because time has elapsed where the virus has evolved well actually yeah we virus we, uh, we did go into it that was, a bit early on where this where we just discussed yeah. it specifically it, what we have now was designed for the wild type and the alpha type yes yeah, and so th for those, it provided what's called sterilizing immunity. It prevented a an infection. It stopped a cold. Here, it, here it prevented in... transmission, et cetera. Now, the problem was we immediately got away from that. And as soon as we got into the following up variants, 
the 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 potential for herd immunity was there at the beginning. We have lost that since uh, since the that first ver- first couple variants. Um, we're now at the um, point where we're um, not going to get herd immunity without a new vaccine. So here's herein is the shtick, right? Yeah. Is that um, one? There is very little evidence that the initial vaccine provided initial immunity, right? It is just a thing to get said. Um, and well, we looked into the numbers of this. We we did go into the numbers on the uh, we, well, we we pulled up the brief, et cetera, on the show and went through it. Well, here's your problem. Much with that to brief. Steve's annoyance. Uh, again, here herein lies the problem. Your data sure. is only as good as your definitions, and the definitions that we sure. get are often very bad. Um, and okay. not only are they very bad, but they are directly contradicted often by follow-up definitions, revisions of reports, etc. For example, we heard any number of times that, uh, in fact, you can go find a headline that says this right now if you, if you sure. so insist. You know, ninety. 8% of hospitalizations, you pick your number, but it's a big number, right? 90 whatever percent of hospitalizations are from the unvaccinated. And then when you trace that back through the meta study into mm-hmm. the original study uh, in three or four times, what you find out is that unvaccinated means like within six weeks of being vaccinated. Now, so that is um, of initial oh. vaccination. So the reason why is because you have a second dose that comes out later and the, 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 the actual, sorry, that has to be ignored. That's spam. Uh, so the actual um, end date at which you would say someone is vaccinated is two weeks post most recent vaccination. Right. In terms Although of there that, has been some serious fuckery with date. that in the VAERS system. Sure. Well, so, well, well if you look at if you look at some people though who are getting say vaccine injuries or you know or getting infected and they're calling it breakthrough even though it wasn't. It's because they're getting an infection because they had an exposure like days before they got vaccinated and they developed the symptoms several days after getting vaccinated. And, well, you know, not, the, that is that is definitively not true. The further that you go down the timeline, you know, the oh, uh, well, yeah, certainly later on now we're having less of that as an issue. But just to point out, there was a time where that was being shoved well, that, forward as proof that the vaccines weren't effective. Well, and that's well, just plain well, out because, silly. What what you're saying there was put forward as a theory, and I am unaware of any actual evidence of it. Right? It, it was well of people developing people, the, of people developing symptoms shortly after vaccination. Yeah. Right. So uh, that is, you, get, you get vaccinated on Tuesday, and you you have uh, COVID on Wednesday. Chances are good you got it before the vaccination. Right. Exactly. If you get uh, vaccinated on Tuesday and eight days from Tuesday. I'm just helping to, uh, to bracket the discussion here in terms of, you know, because the, the point that you were getting to earlier about, you know, <clears throat> things being an issue, you know, fully vaccinated being defined differently over time is also a problem. Well, so yeah, this, I, would, this... I would say that you need to talk about specific doses and specific dose schedules when you want to this... say whether or not there's a problem there. This is a thing that has been a problem since the <laughs> vaccine rollout, though, yeah. right? You know, oh, it's, a a, month... it's a common theme on this show that we have. There's been a major problem with the communication of, of information surrounding this. Sure, uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a major, problem. a major uh, problem for the public that that this has been so badly communicated to them. Uh, what is going on? How the data uh, should be interpreted, or what the data no. is that's available? Again, though. Um, that's a problem that predates the vaccine, though. Uh, you oh, know, yes. it, again, yeah. call it, uh, you know, call it an anecdote if you'd like. But, you know, the guy with uh, 15 bullets in his chest that got listed as dying of COVID is indicative of an actual problem. So, 
Yes, but I also like to go ahead and point out something here. When you look at a coroner's when you look at the report from autopsy, you have uh-huh. you have um, conditions present at death. You don't have necessarily cause of death. Mm-hmm. So you should expect that if you take all causes of death and you add up all causes of death that happened over the year, you will have way over 100%. You'll have several thousand percent. It's because these are these are overlapping curves, you know, overlapping distributions, if you will. So and having primary... multiple things listed on your form, like you can say that there's going to be something that's listed as a cause of death, but that's that's not that... the autopsy's job. That is, it... you know, or whoever else. There, there is evidence that that is not what is being done, right? Because look, you you make a reasonable point, sure. You know, uh, for all. Well, I mean, what's the I've... primary cause of death in the United States uh, every year? That. One way or another. Well, I mean, it's, it, sure, but you, this, remember that's a downstream definition here. What is the actual cause of death? Uh, I think heart failure. failure still owns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and why however, is that? So well, we know that the cause of well, heart failure well, oftentimes is just being old or fat. Indeed, right. Uh, however, right. Uh, but we don't what, list that. What you are seeing is indicative that that is not what's happening, and because there was a financial incentive to do what actually happened. People are more than a little wary, right? We went to the hospital oh, can... and we said, uh, look, if someone yeah. dies of COVID, we'll give you X amount of dollars. And this is why. So they many... get X amount of dollars. Every public hospital and private that has to deal with death, they get X amount of dollars per bed occupied per the unit time for occupation of the bed. Yes. So their goal is to get a patient in, heal them, get them out. And yes. what happens oftentimes is that small amount of money that the government provides doesn't cover shit. Usually the the way it is. It's just the way it is, and when you look at the resources that are consumed by a a COVID patient in hospital, actual COVID patient, whatever, we'll just assume, sake it for sake of argument, they are a person in the hospital just because they got sick with COVID. The the amount of resources that are put into uh, treating that patient all it's going to dwarf whatever they're going to get in terms of a kickback from government. Well, yes. And it's, especially when you include the beds they well, have to deoccupy on that floor to make room for that uh, that quarantine. Uh, that that is substantially less important than all the other associated costs. Um, but herein is the thing. This, this is why. Uh, there are so many problems with the data, right? And why I say that the earlier suggestion, right, that um, even though uh, if you you would end up with, you know, probably an order of... I guess a a better thing to ask you now, that I've asked you about the heart failure thing versus, you know, what is the actual cause of death? And we'd say being fat or old is going to be the likely answer. Right. If you say, if you look at a person who dies after they get a flu infection, they die in the hospital... You say, okay, what is the cause of death listed on the form? It's uh, not going to be the flu. Well, it's going to be their heart gave out, probably. The, or their, there, you know, therein is the problem and how you know. And or they'll have multiple data. organ failure. But they'll also have listed oh. on the form that they had the flu. Uh, well, we can actually take some comfort don't. in this specific note because finally someone is going to be doing the numbers. Funny enough, out of New York, they're actually going to be looking oh, into this boy. specifically. So I don't know if oh, I'd put a lot of trust in it, know. but you well, know they are actually going right, to be again, doing that for for whatever that's this, worth. 
This is why so many people who are not interested in the vaccine are are posting the this is how many people died of influenza thing, right? Sure. Because we literally killed the flu by some magical circumstance. And Oh, it wasn't magic. That's the thing is the basics do work and we went above and beyond with that. And then if you look at the flu this year, it's making a major comeback and you want to know why? It's because we've stopped doing as much of what we needed to do to keep things from going that crazy. It might also be that we've also selected for a particularly virulent strain of the flu by washing it well, with so many yeah. of these mitigation strategies. Even if that were the case, then what you would have sure. is the states that either didn't lock down or, uh, you know, didn't in, uh, instigate any of these mitigation strategies having an at least comparable amount of the flu. But that's not what we saw. Right? Well, see, when you we say, saw. you know, the lockdown dif as a difference here, you have to consider compliance as as part of the lockdown uh well, wait a uh, wait a minute. We, we can't we can't suddenly were be throwing in. Were they compliant? Were they compliant or not? That's a big question. We can't suddenly. Well, so it, sh it shouldn't matter, right? States that either didn't lock down, uh, or um, you know had no compliance or whatever should all be in the same boat. They should have had roughly the same amount of influenza, and they didn't. Well, you also have to look at population density. That's a major determining factor. Uh, where. Where is that going to take, um, you know, somewhat rural lockdown state and make it have, uh, well, again, oh, I mean, the, that, that extreme is not going to be the one to look for. But if you're going to be looking for whether or not a state had, so if you had a, a state that had lockdowns, like, say, California, um, L.A. is a very big city. Yes. A lot of L.A. didn't give a flying crap about what they were being told to do. They had to go to work to pay for food. Wait a minute. Did did the, the compliance with lockdowns kill the amount of influenza uh, because people were complying, or did it not kill the amount of influenza? Well, you have to look at the difference, the difference in the way the disease was propagated. Which we are... So influenza, inf influenza's basic reproduction number, it's R0, if you will, the R0 number, is mm -hmm. substantially lower than that of COVID. Mm -hmm. It just is. So it is, it is less virulent, less transmissible disease. So there is there is Wait. that gap there that does exist. I'm, I'm not that, saying it, this is not have saying you... that it does, this is what happened. Oh. I'm saying this is the route by which it could happen. Well, it, see, this is the problem, is that there is some hypothetical capability of that. But, right, but, but it's going to remain it, hypothetical. There is not a way to study this at this point. Not, not to, you know, just evolve this to the literal meme, you know, we eliminated, um, what, what is the implication of that statement that literally is, everyone still on earth died of the flu. Uh, we're still uh, dying of the flu. We're, we're back to statistical zero, if not actual zero though. Right. You know, the, the CDC's numbers for who died of the flu, uh, in 2020 is like in the hundreds of people, not hundreds of thousands, the hundreds. <laughs> And I'd give you newer numbers, but they're the CDC and they're slow. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. Uh oh. Just uh, one moment here and I will I'll go through and look at the numbers for you. Sure. So the seasons seasons unfortunately aren't they don't line up with years because that would no. be convenient. Yeah, it would. But yeah, the, they don't. So obviously these are preliminary numbers not finalized. Twenty nineteen and twenty twenty and I'll I'll throw this website onto the chat for you. It's at the bottom of this big table right in the middle of the page. Yeah. 
So you have the um, yeah the symptomatic illness, medical visits, hospitalizations, deaths. So if you look at the deaths from year to year, 2019 through 2020 was still pretty bad. So we have to look at the so the 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 estimate for a season has a lag. It's it's not it doesn't happen like you don't you don't know the numbers the next year. Yeah, it takes a couple of years to compile the data. Well, it's hold on. Stupid. That's the way it is. Uh, uh, no, I, I get what they're doing, right? And, and here, here and in keep life, in mind, this includes late 2019 as well, well here, as the beginning here, of 2020. Herein lies the problem, right? And sure. it, look, if you're going to rightly tell me, and you are right to say so, that look, these numbers will be adjusted over time because, uh, you know, look, um, not everybody be far who dies. Off of what they are now. But, not you know, yeah, not everybody who dies uh, gets um, you know is listed as dying of the flu, even though we know reasonably that they did or would have. The implication well, it's not, it's of not that, that they're not listed; it's it's that the causes that could contribute to death are not ranked when they're just listed on the form at autopsy. You have these are the things that were wrong when we looked at the body. Now, you're and you're, that's if you, you're saying the same thing. Um, well, just say when you when you add these things together, like you, the 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 there's not if you you're not going to have like this is the chief cause of death thrown at the top of the list necessarily. Uh, no, um, however, right, right again. Well, there there I'm are just, times. it's just for clarification. Again, the uh, the guy with four bullets in his chest that got listed as dying of COVID. Sure. I don't care what happened. We never list that guy as dying from the flu. So right. I would I would caution it on this. Um, how is it that you came to the information that he died because of COVID? Was it a journalist giving a headline? Uh, or was no. it the form the, the that family, said from COVID? The family published his death certificate that said he was listed as a COVID death and then linked his uh, listing in uh, the state database that they reported to the feds that said... Right this patient died of COVID, he died of four gunshot wounds to the chest. <laughs> right. I mean, and it, it is effectively beautiful. There was the, I think it, there was, there was the statement, there was a statement that was widely popularized in, in social media, rightly so, I would say, that said died with COVID. And people were saying, well, how is this different from died from COVID? And I'd say that the, the answer is pretty straightforward. It's everything starts off as died with blank until someone assigns blame later on from doing uh, uh, what autopsy uh, or whatever analysis. I guess. Right. Well, after autopsy, the uh, autopsy lists what, what they died with. Uh, you know, the MMR or whatever comes after that. Sorry, uh, yeah, the uh, morbidity and mortality reporting is what yeah. assigns blame, basically. So herein you, you come to a different problem because because uh, died with has been treated a lot different with COVID than it well, has died with is what is listed on autopsy. That's my point that I was getting to earlier was right. Was with is a very much larger space than from, and it, it should be. Well, uh, that's yeah. been confused I mean, often. That has look, been confused a lot because that comes first and very easily for statistics uh, yeah. to get a hold of. That's and, what came first when people were assigning from to that. And while well, you could say that for the most part from was valid, uh, things like the gunshots uh, are not. Certainly, but a lot of the problem that you end up with there is that people who died with versus from are not being differentiated in any real way. Um, and my problem with this came 
when COVID's uh, average age of death exceeded average uh, age of death in any given country that it was in, right? Uh, so if you right. come to me and you say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going well, to exaggerate that for any any cause of death that that impacts the population disproportionately in a bias towards uh, with yeah. age, which well, any any infectious yeah. disease will. I would say that it is yeah. there's a, a general trend that you could almost say is universal that infectious disease will oh, yeah. follow the uh, um, uh, amortization. What was it? It's the uh, you what the bathtub. The Pareto distribution. No, the bath. It's a bathtub curve. The amortization curve. Um, yeah. So you have the failures early on, so infant mortality, which we have drastically reduced as a species, let alone in the country, and then you have longevity failures so you have people who die of old age so right. at the very beginning you have a drop off we've worked on that as a species very very well, well that's what on. actually dragged our average age down to like 35 even though people it, were dying routinely at 65 again though uh hold on because if if your average age as italy was the first sign of this because it was the first sure. place we really had data right i mean look Okay, something right. that the Chinese called data emerged, but I don't believe that for a minute. We can, <laughs> well, we can all agree that the data out of Wuhan is entirely questionable. It was laughable, right. is what it was. And, and so the Italians are where we get the first grouping of this, right? And by the time that they were even having all of this, we need to go run around and worry about this, their average age of death was already, uh, their average age of COVID death was already exceeding their average age of death, right? And and not by a little bit. The average age, the the average age in Italy is already old. About a quarter of the population well, is geriatric. That that doesn't so, matter at all if you're comparing average age to average age here, right? Right. Because... So the, the point here is that if, if if you have infectious disease, it's gonna. So infectious disease basically will hit a population the same way the bathtub curve does. Sure. So the very very young who we are much more protective about these days, so we can skip that half, and then you have the very old. No. And sure. uh, you should you should expect to see that you'll have well, the uh, no, no I I you should expect to see a higher age of death for almost any infectious disease at higher average age of death. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, so, when you, in, so just, in I mean, it's, it's an interesting stat to look at, and it well, does hold, highlight an important thing, which is that it, it's older not, people are more susceptible. It's not just an interesting stat to look at; it is incredibly relevant, right? Because if you're uh, when once you're talking about particularly old age uh you at bare minimum you're dying with a boatload of diseases right um sure. and, unless you've been living in a clean room for the last like decade and then you're not um but if that's the case then i mean and it most certainly is right you know you see the grandkids you get a cold and and sometimes grandma dies that's unironically true every day of every year forever in all of human history um, well, except when our average age was 35, because then grandma was, you know, well, no, that's, that's, that is that. No, that's the that is the, the the misleading statistic I was getting to early on when I mentioned the bathtub curve. Yeah, kind sure. of the trick of it. The average you've age, got so many young people was, dying so young, it kind of pulls yeah, the numbers. Once, down. once you hit about age five to ten, you're pretty well good until age 65. Yeah, right. And, so uh, and it just happens it happens that we had a hell of a lot more infant mortality at that time. So the average age was dragged way down. It was a bimodal distribution the same way yeah. it is now. But we've gotten rid of one of those peaks almost entirely. Our infant mortality rate is so damn low relative to early on in our history. Right. So 35, um, you know, the, the ripe old age of 35 thing was a meme 
hey, for centuries because he had all these old people saying it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. again, yeah. The jokes aside, of, of right. apparently horrifically bad taste. Um, but what you end up well, with? You haven't is... seen my dead baby threads on Twitter, then. Oh man, we should get to know <laughs> each other better. Um, what what I'm saying here, though, is is that, and this is going to sound a little bit terse. Uh, if oh, sure. if the average age of death for your disease is five to ten years, and at any given point, that is what it, COVID has become. Right after uh, after you had a reasonable sized data set of deaths, even with COVID. The average age of death is five to ten years above whatever your average age of death in the country is. Then you run into this problem where, it, look, again, going to sound terse, but these people are going to die anyway. And the problem, yeah, I, I, mean, is I get the point. When you see the the plummeting influenza numbers and the attributed to uh, COVID numbers, what you are getting as an output is these people who were going to die anyway died with a financial incentive to call it COVID. And no matter, and again, from the standpoint, of, excuse me, of the beginning, you know, 2.2 million people were supposed to be dead two years ago, uh, which I, I understand. I'm not accusing you of supporting that because no one should have supported that, but we did. Um, but uh, you, you end up with this problem where, look, uh, this isn't that bad. Right. No matter how you calculate COVID statistics, they're just not that bad. Uh, and there's not a feasible way for them to be. And equally speaking, uh, you know, California, in its infinite wisdom, went back and decided that COVID had been in the United States at least since the November of the prior year. Um, and so if if it was as virulent and deadly, you know, as it's implied to be, we should all be dead statistically. Well, let's see. Here's the thing: is is the uh, the prevalence of disease in community? That's an important factor. So, not everybody has it at the same time or has it at all right now. Certainly. Uh, so, there's a certain number of active cases that are going around. Mm -hmm. You have uh, we, so actually one of the things that we should be very happy about right now is the uh, hospitalization death rates are going down per case. So oh, yeah. there's Every a divergence. Day. There's a divergence in cases and versus hospitalization and death, and that there's a variety of factors going into that. We would have to spend all night going into if we were we're going to try to. I mean, we could. Um, Actually, I, I we I've got a show in twenty minutes. I, I will agree that it's a <laughs> lot of things for the sake so, of so the. So the, I mean, if if you look at the people like to try and, and get to an IFR. Uh, and, and use that as a hard number, and it's just not feasible. Uh, no, that that's not really how it works. Um, a but... CFR is the one that is hard data that you can use as a retrospective, and you can, and, and, you know, given some chicanery going on with some of the things, like four bullets to the chest causing COVID somehow, uh, I would say that if you have to also, you can't just run into that with one side of it. You also have to look at the people who are not listed as COVID deaths, or we're not tested at all, or we're just presumed to have death of whatever variety. Again, an MMR is what boils down for the, the cause of death um, uh, well, labeling. That, that, so. might, that might have been a feasible suggestion for but there's 10 some days in 2020, right? I, because at this point, it is, you know, we know that effectively everybody who dies 
right? To to an unreasonably certain amount compared to any other disease. Effectively, everybody who dies gets COVID test, right? I, I mean, is that agreeable? <laughs> Nowadays, then, right now, I would say yes. If you're talking about in 2020, no. Uh, in January 2020, no, but you see these... these. Um... Oh, no, in January 2020, you... so let me put it like this. The, the resources required to have done that throughout 2020 did not exist. Uh, towards the end of 2020, you start to see it basically everywhere, right? And I will grant well, it's, you... That... It's still, no, here's the thing. It's still... In 2021, we have the same problem. It, it largely depends on how many people are getting sick and how many of those resources are required in different places. This winter... So there's... Uh, over over New Year's... Um, the 20... So I, I just... I know people who are involved in this part of things. Can't name names right now, unfortunately, just... The way it is, well, I, but so take I would say take this with a grain of salt. I trust but verify absolutely. But I can tell you from my experience here, the hospitals ran out of in certain some cities uh, where I know people are are at ran out of the media resources. So the reagents, the yeah. chemicals required to get the job done for PCR, and also ran out of lateral flow tests. So it largely depends on how bad the pandemic is at the time how bad the outbreak is how many people are sick as to whether or not everybody can get tested surveillance happens at about a one in four rate, and oh, that oh. is a huge resource drain that happens on the cdc side of things hold on a minute. surveillance is checking out which variant it is let alone which whether or not they have covid you're you're talking about two different things right um, so what they just yesterday uh, no not even yesterday tomorrow tomorrow is when a uh, couple of these hospitals are going to get more media for PCR to be able to, to even have that as a backup to missing lateral flow tests. Again, you're still talking about two different things, right? Because well, when you say uh, when you say you test every single, you know, every single corpse, it doesn't happen like that because the live patients come first. Uh, so on that basis alone, there's that issue. Except, right, that the live patients come first thing is because uh, right. again you see where the the testing situation runs out and i don't want to skip ahead here and 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 screw it up but if there there is a temporal aspect of things where dead patients can sit around longer there's that well yes but, there's, um, the, but the backlog is so large that it, it is not reasonable as a cost measure there are presumed clinical presentations that i mean frankly though if someone comes in with every single sign of covid they've got it so you don't really need a test you know, if they're if they're if they're coughing out a lung and they can't smell anything, and they hate life because all their joints are, are inflamed, you know, it's well, it's right. possible so, they've got COVID. Here, here, herein lies the problem. Uh, I, yeah. on a completely anecdotal level, uh, am fairly certain at this point I have had COVID twice. Um, okay. However, I've never lost smell. Uh, Right. Throughout all of the intervening only, time, by the way, it's the, only about one in three people, as of yeah, my I, knowledge of two years ago, that that get that. So it's it's not like it's the symptom you need to have, but it's one of the no. Classic it is a telltale. Now. But yeah. this, this yeah. is this is the other problem, though. Is go look at the list of COVID symptoms throughout time, and what you will find yeah. out is they have included things like hair loss. Now, look, if all the well, hair falls a, out of your head... It's a zebra of a disease. So here's the problem. It is a, it is a true zebra of a disease. It has got symptoms of freaking everything. Therein lies the problem, right? Because yeah. these so many 
of uh you know the again um the, nothing is as good nothing uh, bleh, no data is good unless you have good definitions right you know it, sure. the PT, uh, pcr failure test rate was massive right or at least the false positive rate was well now, so I'll say every, this, um, every time i say that that was an early on issue that actually dropped off very quickly and a large part of the reason why there are issues with pcr later on is they were used in populations that they were not scaled for well hold so on. if you have a, a small population with a low prevalence your rate of, of false positives will be very high because your rate of true positives is so damn low in population here in the number of problem, false positives though. is already gonna is gonna stay about the same but the fraction of true positives is going to fluctuate with the fraction of actual disease in population absolutely however okay. that was to the earlier discussion that was what sure. r was based off of right and so, well, so this we is track to this, this we tracked it further on and the, that estimate was revised early uh, in, in 2020 indeed it was right but again yeah. we are uh now getting down to and look it's still not great there's a still a high likelihood that you're going to get it all things considered but sure. we're down to um you know what is the false positive rate uh and how is that affecting things and the answer to that is that i i lived uh last year or in 2020 no less uh in amarillo texas who had two cases of covid and this is where you get things like them locking down the whole yeah. city for two cases right because it's not right. a particularly big city so sure certainly uh you know but our per 100,000 rate was massive compared to Los Angeles, who had the whole city worth of people testing positive for COVID. Right. Right. Yeah. So, again, this is the thing, is, as I was saying, is that there's a certain rate of failure, which is going to be effectively constant in terms of, you know, a uh, uh, background description of positivity in the population. It's because it operates on snippets of DNA. It, indeed. Right. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's matching up two different statistical curves and saying, what do I need to add together to get to this big one? And gotcha. one of those... Well, yeah, so so the the main issue that you have there is because it operates on those snippets, uh, distribution of molecular weights, so to speak, here. Uh, it doesn't Why? have a single strand that it operates against. And eventually, so they are designed to operate. The way the PCR test operates is it's designed to get to the point where it gets a false positive because the distribution just matches from having enough background inside media. Oh, sure. The and media. a matter of fact, we actually went into a fair degree of depth on this because a lot yes. of where the screwiness came from is that they were running and running and running and running this test iterations on down oh. to get the positive the that they why, wanted. The reason they take about 18 hours to run is because they have about a 90-minute cycle to do a replication <clears> stuff, <throat> and that's, they, they double the amount of DNA in the pot every time they do that. Yeah. And so they they there's a cutoff after which... They, they, um, it, and so determining when the cutoff is, how many replications to get to the statistical false positive that is guaranteed, you know, like 95% threshold or whatever. Yeah. That, that number of steps to get there when you can say, okay, if it's not positive, if it's not positive by this step, then we can call it a negative test. Yeah, that, that was a very, that was, that's what, that, that was, was a very floppy number fuckery. for quite a while. That was, that was the problem in March of 2020 was we didn't know how many replications we needed to get to. And, and it's typically tuned so that it's on the order of 10 to 15. Um, yes. So 18 hours, you would expect to have a test done. You do it in triplicate. It takes about 72 hours to uh, get a result back to a patient. Now, fellas, so I, that's why it takes I, that long. I you hate to have to, have to do time. this, but 
I've got my live show in 13 minutes. So you do. So this has been fun. It actually has. This has been great. So I'm Evan at that fake guy. I'm a man here, Craig at Craig Bob 99, basically everywhere. Uh, you can find Don at uh, Healer Procurement on Twitter, Pleb Media on Getter, Two Plebs on uh, Gab. I'm really bad at branding. Oh, no worries. Uh, Actually, I got all your stuff. It will be in the links below if anybody wants to follow up. Man, you should. Uh, that's that's the way to do it. There's a ton of stuff. It's all over the place. <laughs> anyway, has been a pleasure. Look forward to talking to you again. And um, I'll let you guys uh, chat it out. But I've got to go because I've got to queue up some music for the next three hours. Yeah, right. do that. So, you guys, take it easy. Been an absolute pleasure. Look forward to it again.